this is your girl Ash. And it's your boy, Imperator Rose. And it's that dude called Theory. And this right here is Stop the Foolishness. Where each week, this trio of primos will give you our take on some of the most foolish shit that's happening around the country from this past week. From politics to pop culture, nothing's off limits in this war room. Yo, it show sure ain't. So if you're trying to figure out how this country got to this point, then come kick it with us each week as we do our best to try and stop the foolishness. Yo, what up, what up? Welcome back to Stop the Foolishness. This is episode 59. 59? Hello, hello, hello. 59. Uh, we just got through running our <coughs> interview with our uh, cuz, one in the money. No, in the money. Damn, I fucked that shit up. See? It's in the <laughs> in money. The money with the it's, one it's at the beginning. the money with the one, one. you know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, we can run that interview later for y'all because that's a dope interview. He definitely gave us some game on the market. Um, but we just got through running that. I'm a little parched. Um, we actually had to cut a bunch of shit out of the episode so that way we can keep this with a reasonable listening level. Uh, <laughs> uh, so with that being said, let's go ahead and get y'all into get it. Some jewels, y'all getting some jewels this episode. So make sure y'all listen yeah. to the financial part. That our, I guess it's our topic part. Yeah, guess, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, <clears throat> the, it's the core part of the show. All right, yeah. look, all I got to say, get your pen and paper because I mean, because been yeah, so it's a it's a, it's a lot of good shit. It's a lot of shit you learn. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but welcome back to Stop the Foolishness, y'all. Where every week we bring to you the most foolish stories from the past week, and like with every week, we got a couple here because we had to cut some out. So we only kept the best. Uh, with that being said, y'all did not write in no listener letter. But if you're feeling froggy, feel like making a leap, make sure you visit us at www.stopthefoolishnesspodcast.com to submit all those double listener letters. With that being said, we're gonna go ahead and get into our still. Unpaid sponsor, Miss Toya's Gift of Soul. Hey, Chef Toya here, owner and head chef with Toya's Gift of Soul, located in Arlington, Texas. We are your one-stop shop to satisfy your soul. We specialize in oxtails, wings, seafood, and much more. We offer very affordable prices. We cater, meal prep, and we'll even handle your weekly night meals. We will also travel. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Toya's Gift of Soul. Contact me Four six nine eight four nine two five two one, 849 2521 and let Toya's Gift of Soul feed your soul. All right, y'all know what it is. Let Miss Toya's Gift of Soul feed your soul. Hungry. Uh, you hungry? Yeah. I actually I am food. hungry. Yeah, like I just, <laughs> I just got through eating. <laughs> like, like, damn, you know, hearing it say that, I'm like, damn, some food yeah. sound good right yeah, now. No, no, like, where's this at? I need her to cook a plate. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our first. Uh, what's it called? Story? Cause you're up. Um, this is just some goofy shit. So I feel like we've actually talked about this before with somebody. This seems vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like a doppelganger story, a deja vu, maybe. But go ahead, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one comes from AP News. And the title of this is Police Robber Caught After Trying to Rob Same Bank. Again, nigga, try to double dip. <laughs> Come on, you already got away once, nigga. Like, what the fuck? You gonna right. go back to that motherfucker? Mm-hmm. Like, this ain't Walmart. Like, I didn't, I didn't stole from Walmart like a thousand times. Nigga, it's a bank though. 
It's a bank. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's, that's what I'm saying. apples I mean, and oranges. It's, it's, you can't compare bank. the two. You can't compare a <laughs> yeah. bank to Walmart. Like, all right. No, no, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not Walmart. It's just ridiculous. Like, exactly. Like, you can do that at Walmart, but not no bank. All right, let's go ahead and read this. That's crazy. All right. Uh, Fountain Valley, California, AP News. A man suspected of robbing a Southern California bank was arrested when he returned to try and rob the same branch the f- the following day. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Wait a minute. Bro, come on, man. Oh, man. You got away with it the first time, and then you're going to take he your ass like, right back to the same location. First off, nigga, why would you even think they had Bruh. much more money for you to stay? It, it, oh, my God. <laughs> Nigga, you didn't nigga. even wait till like next next year, maybe three months from now or something. Let it die down, settle did it, down. Did it dawn upon you that they might be taking precautions for this to happen in the future? <laughs> <laughs> you gave no downtime. Still shook from yesterday. Hilarious, nigga. Uh, hilarious. Oh my god. Can't make okay. this shit up. The- the man entered a Chase Bank in the city of Fountain Valley Monday afternoon and gave a teller a note demanding money, officials say. He fled with a large amount of cash. Before officers got to the bank, the Fountain Valley Police Department said in a statement, late Tuesday morning, police received a call about, about another robbery in progress at the same Chase Bank, the statement said. <laughs> Responding officers arrested a 33-year-old suspect, the man who was prior wasn't who has prior convictions for robbery um, was being held at the Orange County jail for lack of $170,000 bail. This nigga say who has prior convictions for robbery. So this nigga just robbed people for a living. It is actually robbed. this nigga's it's, occupation. It's, it's actually what this man does for a living. Uh, you know what? I feel like if you, I feel like if you get away in 2021 from robbing any bank and 20, with all the technology Bro, we got and everything, you if should, you get away with that one time, you should just retire. That whole part. You only got maybe like $20,000 from but the, the bank. But the fact that retire you got away and for- just be like, I'm good. I'm going to the Hall of Fame of, of, of fucking Robin. I robbed a bank, nigga. That's first, like the Holy Grail of like Robin. It, it, it really is. Hold on, wait. Tell me, right, first off, round of applause to my guy for finding his passion and sticking to it because <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker He's has finding his passion. <laughs> this motherfucker has prior convictions for robbing and he's still out here robbing people. <laughs> like, this man has found what he loves and is absolutely going to continue to do that shit the rest of his life. That makes no quarrel about it, bro. Like, you you have to to a certain extent admire this man's uh tenacity and commitment to his craft and probably because he's done it so much is why he was successful the first time the yeah. problem is he's an idiot <laughs> he tried to go rob the same the bank same, again the Not next a, day you could have told me a bank down the street and i'd have been like okay exactly. you know exactly this dumb but you know i guess that makes sense the same the one. same drive, bank drive to san diego or something drive to another city a couple hours away and go rob another nigga one. gave no downtime bro. <laughs> like he said you know what it, nah, i need it, to go back at it, it today it did not cross his mind on any level that they would be prepared today to get robbed, bro. Like, so stupid. That motherfucker could probably say that motherfucker probably looked in that bag when he got home. He said, wait a minute, they only gave me 15000 Nah, they got nah, more. Nah, they that. got more up in that bag. <laughs> nigga, I know they I'm got millions. Back, nigga, they, <laughs> Let me go and make another pit mine. stop real Ooh. quick. They, oh. Look, they owe me some money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, y'all, y'all didn't put enough money in here. <laughs> y'all owe me some money. I'm going to need these coins. Like, put some more back in this bitch. <sighs> okay, all right. This... 
this is um wow. this is obviously an idiotic person but again uh, I, I'm still, this is a testament to you honing your craft, becoming the kind of person, you know what I'm saying, that master, that becomes the master of what you do. Mm-hmm. So shout out to this guy. Once again, one more round of applause. Dude's been great. All right. So let's roll into our next story. Uh, this is actually our stories from Reddit. This shit has been everywhere. I seen this shit on the shade room, on Baller Alert, on Savoy Show, on Spiritual Word, on Facebook. Sis shared that shit. By the time she shared it, I'd already seen it in like 20 different places. <laughs> this was the topic of the fucking week. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and run it because I absolutely, um, I absolutely agree with the, the, the things done in this story and um we gonna roll a, a round of applause for this gentleman at the end of this as well all right let's go ahead <laughs> all right our story for today uh am i the asshole for deleting my friend's wedding photos in front of them no <laughs> <laughs> i'm not really a photographer i'm a dog groomer i take lots of photos of dogs all day to put on my facebook and instagram it's my thing if that makes sense a cut in a photo with every appointment. I'm very seldom shoot things other than dogs, even if I have a nice setup. A friend got married a few days ago and wanting to save money. Asked if I'll do, I'll shoot for them. I told him it's not really my forte, but he convinced me by saying he didn't care if they were perfect. They were on a shoestring budget and I agreed to shoot it for $250, which is nothing for a 10 hour event. Oh, damn. On the day on the day of, I'm driving around following the bride as she goes from appointment to appointment before the ceremony, taking photos along the way. I shoot the ceremony itself, and during the reception, I'm shooting speeches, people mingling. I started around 11 a.m. and was due to finish around 7.30. Around 5 p.m., food is being served, and I was told I cannot stop to eat because I need to be be photographer in fact they didn't save me a spot at any table i'm getting tired and at this point kind of regretting doing this for the next uh for next to nothing it's also unbelievably hot the venue is an older veterans legion and it's like 110 degrees and there's no ac i told the groom i need to take off for 20 minutes to get something to eat and drink there's no open bar or anything i can't even get water and my two water bottles are long empty. He tells me I need to either be a photographer or leave without pay with the heat, being hungry, being generally annoyed at the circumstances. I asked if he was sure and he said yes. So I deleted all the photos I took in. I deleted all the photos I took in front of him and took off saying, I'm not his photographer anymore. If I was to be paid $250, honestly, at that point, I would have paid $250 just for a glass of cold water and somewhere to sit for five minutes. Was I the asshole? They went right on their honeymoon and they've all been off of social media. But a lot of people have been posting on their wall asking about photos with zero responses. Because I deleted them bitches. I'd have posted right on that shit. (laughs) I was taking photos for these motherfuckers, but they refused to feed me. So I deleted them bitches right in front of these sorry ass people. The fact he had the audacity to say you need to be the photographer or you don't get paid the two... First off, fuck your funky ass $250. I was doing this as a favor to you because you didn't have the money and you was desperate. And you telling me you can't let me. First of all, I shouldn't even have asked 
or told you I need to leave for 20 minutes. You should have had a plate waiting for me. You should have been hooked me up whatever I wanted to drink Nigga. and a goddamn chair to sit in. So go fuck you and your $250. <laughs> I'm out this motherfucker. <laughs> Kiss my black ass when the sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, how about that? <laughs> let me tell you something. Do y'all know how much a wedding photographer costs? They're yeah, expensive. Easily three grand. Money. Easily. Easily. Easily three thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, and we talking just photos. You throw in video, like you looking at about six. Okay. Nigga, two hundred and fifty dollars barely barely covers gas and groceries for the let, goddamn week. Let me tell you something. <laughs> let me let me let me thoroughly explain something here real quick. Motherfucker, it was a hundred and ten degrees in that bitch. I am not only deleting the photos. I am actually physically fucking this motherfucker up right now. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> like the audacity, nigga. You I'm, getting these hands. I'm, I'm <laughs> cranking you right over your shit, bro. You got me fucked up. It's 110 degrees in here because I'm going to make this shit 100% clear. Okay. So here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Cause see, I, w- I, I, I would have got something to eat and then I would have deleted that shit anyway. Here's, here's the thing, man. You either go get me a plate. And a cold bottle of water. I'm gonna delete every one of these photos and beat your ass at your wedding. Like, <laughs> I need you to understand that shit clearly. And if I tell you again, it's gonna be even worse. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Like, yeah, man, y'all, some of y'all too nice. Now, like, just deleting photos ain't good enough. You have to beat somebody's ass in this situation. I know, in this situation, <laughs> absolutely. You gotta be fucked oh, up. Oh, no, absolutely. Now, see, I noticed it was the. The groom yeah. that said what he said. So I'm wondering if the wife even knew anything about that. Because I'm telling you, you, probably not. Because guess what? I'm telling you right now. Let me find out my husband did some shit like that. And you got our <laughs> wedding pictures. He ain't got to worry about him being your ass. I got you, my man. I'm being your ass at our wedding. Nigga can't have nothing to eat. Nigga, what? Matter of fact, not only am I beating your ass at our wedding shit, it may not be no wedding after effects because my ass may get unknown, man. This may be a deal breaker. Yeah, nigga. Like, you was willing to erase our memories on our, you know, best day of our lives, spending our lives together because you wouldn't let the man get some food and a drink? I beat his ass. Bruh. Beat his ass. Both of us tag teaming. Me and the photographer. I can't. Whooping his ass back to he he ain't gonna know which way to turn. We both throwing hands either way. Hundred and ten degrees. No AC, bro. And he was doing this shit for two hundred fifty dollars. Two hundred and fifty dollars. Even if he had gotten a meal, this is still a bad deal. Absolutely. (laughs) Like like, top to bottom, bro. But I would say if he was getting a meal, you'd be more tolerable. Yeah, of course, right? Million dollars, nigga. If I showed up to this wedding and you got me in a motherfucker that's one hundred and ten degrees with no AC, I'm leaving. You know, it's been real, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate, I, I, you know, it's been a great way, and I appreciate you providing food and shit, but I'm just going to go ahead and dip because it's hot in a bitch. Fuck that. Okay. Almost 10 hours? Bruh. Nigga. Follow, following from appointment to appointment, like literally taking pictures from start to finish of the whole and day. And this nigga hadn't eaten since. Hasn't eaten. He said he started around 11 a.m. It's going on 7.30. Man, nigga. I'm- so, okay. So, it started around 11. Yeah, finished. And he said around 5 is when he started getting hungry. Okay. All right. Let's get. All right. All right they better than me. So, no, sir. No, <laughs> no, sir. You are not the asshole. No. The groom is the asshole absolutely. from doing what he was doing. All right. Let's get into this next one here. 
Um, I saw this on Facebook. Um, he posted it on his Instagram as well. So this comes from Anthony O'Neill. He's a very popular, well, not very popular, but if you know Dave Ramsey, he's on the Dave Ramsey show a lot. He's very big into like making sure students don't come out of college with like a lot of debt. And so if you know who Dave Ramsey is, he's like the money guru that like basically talks you out how to get out of debt and shit. So he posted, uh, ladies and fellas, a young man in my tribe needs some advice. What y'all got? He puts, AO, I've been following you for a while and need advice. Want to take a girl out, but after bills, I only have about $200 a month. I think she likes me, but she got ball players in her DMs too, shaking my head. Do I even have a chance? How can I impress her without a lot of money? Side note, I'm two years out of college and just paid off student loans, working on my emergency fund now. <sighs> okay. Here we go. If you're trying to impress her, first of all, you, I mean, you leading with the wrong foot. You shouldn't be trying to impress a girl with money. You know, that's because first off, if you impress her with money, that's what you're going to attract. That's what you're going to attract. Exactly. But see, that's the problem with the, with society today where they make you feel like you have to like perfect example, the dude who bought homegirl, them Louis Vuitton glass. First of all, (laughs) first of all, first of all, that whole part. Look, <laughs> Fuck out of here. But see, but that's what I'm saying. He's trying to impress her. So now she's going to be expecting that all the time. I even told my sister, you know, she saw, well, Ashley, you know, you got to kind of get out that mindset. No, nah, fuck, not ain't getting out. I don't need no nigga buy me no. You know what we could have done with that $1,100? Nigga, that, that, no, that $1,100 was for the basic version of that's that. What shit. T- bruh, the that's what I'm, bruh, that's what I'm talking about. Diamonds and shit. That's in what it. I'm talking about. So you know he dropped a good. Amount Three, of money four grand on those glasses. Ridiculous. Here's here's why I'm gonna segue into this. I I don't know who needs to hear this, man. But ninety <laughs> percent of women in the world just want a real nigga, man. Bruh. I don't. Exactly. Bruh. I, I, yo, don't, like, yo, like, I don't. Yo. Yo. What this this whole thing like? Literally, and I learned this. Like, well, I mean, I, I already kind of <laughs> knew it, but I really learned this once I had my divorce and I got back yeah. into the dating scene or whatever. Because mm. when I had my divorce, I was ass out. I really didn't have pretty much shot starting over. Cause I yeah. gave my ex wife everything. I was cool. Like, just have everything. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? And I started all over. But I still was dating girls, and girls really like. I had girls that was really, I, I, and, and I straight up told them the truth. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to put on a facade or nothing. Yeah. I was just like, "Look, bro, I am. I'm, I'm going through divorce. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I'm saving up to get me. Uh, you know, what I'm saying a car because we shared a car. Blah blah blah. But I let her have it. It's cool. Yeah. You know, blah blah blah. All these different things. And uh, if you were <clears> honest, and a girl is not looking to, you know, just. Be with some nigga that has money or whatever stuff. That's not a girl you want anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, unless you're know you balling like that. Uh, exactly. If that, that if that's all so, they want from you or what you could do for them or what you could buy for them or what did no. Because at the end of the day, exactly. for any woman, damn, some of these bitches need to have some independency. Why are you solely focused on depending a nigga to buy shit for you? Buy your own shit. I mean, I'm exactly. not I'm not against that. Just don't come ask me for that shit. Like yeah, go find that nigga that'll do that. Exactly. Go find that <laughs> go one find. who would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like me, I'm like, shit, eleven hundred dollars. Like we could have took a trip. Fact. We could have invested it in some. We could have like built memories, did some fun shit. I, a pair of glasses, nigga, that I probably not gonna even wear. Yeah. No, nah, I'm good. Because what you about to say? No, I was about to say, you know what I'm saying? What this nigga in this fucking um, you know what I'm saying, who who uh, wrote AL this nigga is, is really feeling realized. First of all, there's two things. First of all, he's trying to leave with his money. He's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I only got $200, blah, blah, blah. That's mistake number one. First mm-hmm. Number two, you don't also want a woman, okay, she has ball players in her DM. I don't give a fuck. Nigga, you should have the confidence of anything to be like, 
if she's the right one and she is fucking with you, she's going to fuck with Don't you. Don't matter who's not in her Michael, DMs. Not even Michael B. Jordan can pop on her DM and she'd be like, oh, and try to entertain him. At the end of the day, it shouldn't matter what the person has success-wise or whatever and stuff. You're putting too much value into a person's career or yep. money or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. And it don't even matter. There's niggas that, okay, you can make the Michael, nigga, you can be Michael B. Jordan. Do you think Michael B. Jordan is scared? There's niggas that's richer than Michael B. Jordan. There's niggas that fucking look better than Michael B. Jordan. Chris Brown, Drake, all, you know what I'm saying? All these niggas. There's, there's somebody that's richer than somebody. That somebody part. looks better than somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody has a cooler career than somebody else. Yep. So at whatever level you are at, you can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't think of yourself as less because, oh my God, I only got two hundred. Oh my God, she got ball players, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. If she's into that, then she's into that. That's so nothing what? against you. You can't yeah. change that shit. Exactly. So he that can, means you need to go find somebody. You ain't that. Exactly. He can have supermodels in his DMs and shit. I'm confident about my shit. If I feel like I can get it, I can have it, I can want it, I'm going to get it. I mean, I don't exactly. care who's up in there. If that person is for you, that person is for you. If they into you, they exactly. are into you. It don't matter who they talk to, who they associate with. Ain't going to be intimidated by nobody. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been blessed. I mean, there's a, how can I put it? There's a certain gene in like almost that I feel like certain people have, it's called being a real nigga. And I've been blessed to be a real nigga my whole life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't never had to front, you know, maybe some casual lying, maybe yeah. some casual, you know, exaggeration here and there. But, like, I ain't never really had to, like, pretend to be something that I wasn't. Mm. And so, my my advice to the young man is, uh, bro, honestly, you don't care, like, $200 a month. So, if you're not taking her to Chili's, then you probably really ain't got, like, a lot of extra money to even be exactly. doing anything to impress her anyway so in which case if 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 leading with the money part is the issue and to to give some credit it's not necessarily that because he didn't say how do i he was just asking how to impress her he wasn't necessarily saying that he was going to like try to like blow money on it he was just asking you know hey as a broke nigga what can i do to impress her yeah uh, you can go be a real nigga. Tell her you broke and be and all be like, yourself. Yo, I got go from there. I got dope conversation. Um, exactly. I can eat the cooch better than any nigga you know. <laughs> and uh, I will always a whole bunch of there's a there's a whole bunch of broke niggas that don't even look good either. <laughs> yeah. Has a mean ass fuck game. Yeah, like they, it's they, all they I got. Some bad bitches. On I only head. know so, how to I'm treat you right. Okay, <laughs> that's it. That's all, all I, I got, got is love. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because Trish will tell you that that's all I had <laughs> was love. Okay, <laughs> that's it. That's all we had, man. True story, bro. We was living in. A two uh a two bedroom apartment. Um, she moved in with me. We had no furniture, some chairs, uh, some some like little foldable chairs like that, and we had a nineteen inch uh computer monitor that we put on a suitcase. And I used to stream Netflix um through my phone. Um, no, I used to use um we used to stream Netflix through my laptop through the computer monitor. Uh, with internet from my fucking phone, with the hotspot from my phone. That is literally how we got started, bro. And it has flourished into everything y'all see today. That part. So I'll be trying to explain Thank to you. Trust the man. process. Just trust the process. Trust the process. Yes. The universe will always align shit that is supposed to be aligned. Mm-hmm. The thing is, man, y'all be out here really trying to like impress these women and, exactly. and, and just be yourself, just man. Be yourself. Just be yourself. You know? And, and it so, seems like this nigga has his head on his shoulders. He's paying it power for he's student, off his student loans. loans nigga. Yep. You know what I would nigga. give to pay off my student loans? Right. Exactly. Nigga, I only got, nigga, I only got like $10,000 worth of student loans and I'm like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
I'm just like, bro, listen, man. Uh, again, I don't know how many of y'all niggas need to hear this, but again, listen to me. We can, we can use this thought process always in life, bro. Be who you are. Be who you are. Like, you ain't, you ain't no longer got to pretend to be somebody else. No longer pretend like mm-hmm. you got more money than you got. Bro, exactly. if you're broke, you're broke. It's exactly. okay. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? Women Have a will vision. Still fuck with you at the end of the day, man. Oh, nigga, so broke. Fake niggas out here. So many fake niggas out here. Niggas, you know, what I'm niggas will be surprised how many women like come across so many fake ass niggas, and they be like, "Oh my god!" Like I dated girls, and they told me they be like, "Yo, this nigga look good, this nigga blah blah blah." And you go to his house, and he like has nothing. No. You like, damn, I thought it's I all was the front. With this, I thought <laughs> I was with this balling ass nigga, nigga like, living on fuck? crates <laughs> <laughs> for real. Nigga sleeping on crates. He was a real crate challenge. Niggas out here barring their homeboys' cars and shit, whatever. Stuff girl, just all type of bullshit. Yeah, all they try to get somebody. Nah. Exactly. And I feel like more girls would appreciate a real nigga to just stand up and be like, yo, this is where 100%. I'm at. But hey, this is where this is where I'm headed. Though. Yep. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's all I had to give. I was like, look, yeah. this is where I'm at through my divorce or whatever, but guarantee you me, look at me next year. Look at me the following year. Exactly. Watch that me the following year after that. Watch yeah. me progress. Watch, watch me if you grow. fuck with me, you fuck with me. And if you don't, you don't. No. If you want somebody mm-hmm. already established, then go get them. It's cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I know where I'm at. Yeah. It's some it, it, again, a lot of it really has to do with because people pay too much attention to social media. And on social media, you'll be thinking that like all women want a nigga making six figures. Mm-hmm. All nigga. Like, and it's they, not like that they, at all. Spiritual word asked the question the other day. It was all like, "Yo, what's the lowest a man can make for you to consider marrying him?" And everybody, you know, a lot That's of them was in it was like two hundred fifty k minimum for me. Yeah, they were saying some wild <laughs> shit. And I'm looking like, "Yo, I just wow!" Want, I just want y'all niggas to notice that was like four thousand comment. Four thousand does not represent all the women oh in the world. God. Most women just want a nigga that love it. Okay, and there's only like less than eleven percent of what was it? I think it was only like eleven percent of men make over a hundred k. And then if you take into account black men, I think it was like less than 1%. So it's not a lot of niggas out there for them anyway. So they got to accept the nigga that ain't making 100K. Or they can just be single. (laughs) Just like my brother said, we like real niggas. I'm going going to give you some advice from a real woman right here. I'm going to keep it 100. Just like my brother said, we just want a real nigga that treat us right, that love us right. And that's all I got. That that's that shit, nigga. That's all I got. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know got. what I'm saying? Like I got, I got a little bit more now because I started a job. You um, know, but no, yeah. still, I I may be and doing good for myself. Too. Being funny helps too. Being funny, yeah. Like, being oh, funny, you yeah. gotta have a sense of humor. Yeah. If we yeah. look, I'm telling you right now, deal breaker. If we can't laugh together, we can't stay together. Yeah. <laughs> man, boy, bro. Be be yourself. Yep. Be true to who you are, man, and be real about shit, man. That part. Like I ain't I've. I, I've never understood the, I mean, I kind of do because again, you got insecurities, you got people that deal with things, but being a real nigga has always gotten me where, where I am in life. And so it landed me to a woman of my dreams. And so if it worked out for me, it can work out for you. You, you may go through a lot of women, but eventually you'll find the one. You bro. will. And and that goes for females too. <laughs> Please don't settle just because you can't fathom the thought of being by yourself. Yeah. Does it suck? But use that use that to to better yourself and 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 achieve the goals you want to achieve because it will happen. Because I be damn, I ain't gonna be putting up with the bullshit. Like 
Yeah. It's just not worth it. And to me, there's a beauty in finding a girl when you're in those predicaments, just how like Emperor Rose said, or even this guy who says, oh, I only have $200 after I pay everything or whatever. To me, there's a beauty in finding a woman that will respect that and will stay down with you. So then when you do come up, you know what I'm saying? As in my cousin's case, now y'all have a beautiful house. Y'all have a, you know what I'm saying? Beautiful daughter, another one on the way. You know what I'm saying? Y'all take trips. Y'all just went to Puerto Rico, all that stuff. All that stuff really wasn't seen in the beginning. Y'all motherfuckers. To Puerto Rico? No, that whole part. Virtually, nigga, she, okay. <laughs> nigga, she really, <laughs> virtually, she <laughs> just really, she really fucked with you, yeah. and and there was something about you that because made her that's what like, love is, and, and exactly, and that's what it should yeah. be. So it's like at the believe end of the day, in each saying, other. There is, you know, saying there's a beauty in finding somebody when you are at the bottom considered, and you kind of grow with that person because then they only know what y'all niggas went through. Like exactly. my cousin and his wife only know, you know, what I'm saying watching netflix mm-hmm. off of a fucking luggage and we you know shit like that or whatever from a laptop and stuff they yeah. only know that nobody else does you know what yeah. i'm saying so that's that's it's, something special that you can cherish instead of finding somebody when you already on top that you don't even know if they really even fuck with you like, or not because you can provide everything absolutely already, so. like let's just love and grow together like it's that's like, not a lot let's just exactly. grow together if this shit was gone, would you really would you really fuck with me? I know my cousin knows that uh, yeah. his his wife would still fuck with him because they came from that. So if they lost that house today, yeah, it would suck. But it'd be like, yo, we can just rebuild together. Let's hey, do it. We did it before. So, we do it again. It's 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 incredibly sad that most people don't know that all you have to do is just be real and be authentic, and mm-hmm. life will work itself out, man. Stop don't, trying to be don't like be stressing shit. Just stop trying to be something you're not. Let's exactly. Ah, excuse me. Yeah, just be yourself. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into this interview here, y'all. Um, it's with our cuz in the money with the one. Yes. We're going to go ahead and roll that interview, and then we'll come back and finish up with the most foolish yeah. story of the week. All right, y'all. So y'all know what it is. We have our very own family member. Uh, he goes by in the money on Instagram with a one instead of an I. We just learned before we got on this motherfucker <laughs> that it, it was in the money because I have been calling his tw- his handle one, one in, in the, the money, money. <laughs> <laughs> ever since he created that motherfucker. So. Yo, bro, putting the notes together and he was like, "Cause thing is one in the money." Yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm looking it up." Yeah, we good. One in the money. <laughs> yeah. And one man said, "This is no, no, just that. in the money." You you know, I, you know, I take things as I see it, but we are gonna get Cuz the opportunity to explain that because. It was a little over my head. It's going to sound basic, but it's a lot more complicated than the way he's going to say it. But okay. All right. Cause, but explain the, the, the handle again. So first don't feel bad. Everybody always says that. So, so, so that's a common thing. Yeah. And, uh, first, first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate being on here. I feel like this is long overdue. For I mean, sure. I've been at this for a minute. So I know, right? Thank you for having me. And, uh, we can talk about something I like a lot, which is finance, stock market. So exactly. it's in the money. I replaced the I with one. It was just something unique I wanted to do, but I actually termed the name in the money because when I started being an active trader, I was trading the options market and in the options market, we use a term for the contracts. They're either out of the money or in the money. So you always want to be in the money. You want your contracts to trade in the money. So I kind of just dubbed that nickname over time. And I was trading a lot of Amazon back then. And people, some of my friends were calling me in the money. Okay. All right. Okay. So you was dubbed as yourself and just decided to run with it. All right. I just decided to run with it. You always want to be in the money. 
Okay. Not really. Not really. Um, I will interject. Um, he he actually came to me one day what and is, um, what asked is, for my advice. Why? And man? I told him and I said, you know what? God showed me in a vision. <laughs> God Bro. showed me that you are one He's in so the money. Stupid. <laughs> and, Bro, nigga, prophecy. That, prophecy that, that, may, that may or may not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay, so there might have been a little truth to that because this motherfucker is straight clout most of the time. So, <laughs> straight cap. <laughs> straight cap. All right. Well, let's get into it here because so. Obviously, with, with anyone start, it's always a, a building block and a moment where realization where you decided to go ahead and take that leap and start doing what you're doing. So what got you started in the market? Like what made you take that leap and say, you know what? I'm going to try my hand at this shit. So true story, uh, like like many of us. And here's the crazy thing. A lot of the places that many people are at with investing, I was once there. Everybody was once there, right? And so true story, when I first got my job, I was working as a government contractor in Lebanon and I was finally making some decent money. I had came out the military up until that point, all my life, strip club, club, bar, blow it off. Nigga shit. You know, but I always had, yeah, nigga, nigga shit. <laughs> nigga Jordans shit. every week. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, okay. So, so at the time I was 24 years old. And I met a guy, he was like 28, 29, and he was working with me. He did the same exact job I did. And we were just kind of talking and he introduced me to another guy named Mr. Money Mustache, a website. And he says, yeah, I'm already a millionaire. I just kind of work here just because, because I have nothing to do. And I'm, I'm already a millionaire. I don't have to work every day. Damn, I nice. said, well, how'd you do it? Yeah, I said, how'd you do it? He said, well, I invested all my money in the stock market. I've been doing this job, you know, for X amount of years. And I just kind of do this because I want to. And that moment right there kind of, for me, put a face to the possibility. Because a lot of times we see all these people, we hear about the stock market. It's just kind of this like thing out there. And we know that there's people involved with it, but we personally never met anybody. Usually our parents, uncles, grandparents, they're not involved with it. Or for better yet, they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. A lot of people don't know what the hell they're talking about. And so it just seems so far detached. And that was my first experience seeing that somebody legitimately was like, hey, I made this happen. And from there, I kind of just decided like, hey, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. I don't want to be just another guy. And that kind of just launched my interest. And from there, I took it. Okay. All right. So it... it at what point would you say before you started trading, you know what I'm saying? That like um, you truly felt comfortable enough to, to really like, cause you know, you always start out with like a little bit, right? Cause you just want to try your hand at it. At what point did you really start funneling? Like how long would you say you just tried your hand at it, researched, studied before you really started dwelling into putting like serious capital into, into the, into your investments? I think, when you, after you make your first mistake investing uh, and you, uh, and you, risk, so what, what are, what are two things usually happen? Either people make a mistake and they get discouraged and they say, no, I'm out. Okay. This isn't for me. Yeah. And then other people, you make a mistake and then you wake up and you're like, well, you know what? The sun is still shining. I'm still alive. Ain't, ain't, ain't home. Yeah. The world, yeah, exactly. the world they explode. I'm still eating food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm still eating food. So I think after I had experienced my first loss okay, and I bounced back from it, it kind of gave me the confidence that even if you lose, it's not the end of the world. You can learn something from it. And as time goes on and you build your confidence up, you start to believe in what you're doing yeah. because not a lot of people realize the hardest part about investing actually isn't what most people think. It's not the skill of investing. The hardest part is your mind. It's, it's the emotional side of it because all your life you've been taught work hard. You've been taught the value of money. Most of us come from lower than standard living situations and our relationship with money is that it must be held at all costs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once I start kind of letting go of money, that kind of pain of loss and then the recovery of it, it gives you confidence that, okay, within loss, you can still have gain. It's, it's never the end of the world. Yeah. Okay. Man, I got a long way to go because, nigga, I lost a $15 party. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I woke up this morning and I'm still mad about that shit. Nigga, I woke up this morning and <laughs> I was like... Me lose $20. Nigga, he goes depressed. Hold on, man. <laughs> you know, I got a long way to go. Since <laughs> he live with this nigga, but he don't realize that. But he, by, by now, you should know, but because it's our regimental broke nigga on this motherfucker <laughs> who just makes Terrible decisions with his money all the time. So in which case, this is this is nothing new. But the crazy it wasn't my part, fault. It was Russell Wilson's fault for getting hurt. Yesterday. The, the, oh, it was oh, it was his fault for getting hurt. It like my fault. he predicted he was going to be hurt you know? and said, "Oh, hold on, let me not get hurt today because I got to look out for cold theory." You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Crazy. But but here's the here's the here's what's crazy about exactly what Cuz is talking about because. um as as I've started to invest invest as well, it has it, I, and we'll talk a little bit a little bit about it later with inflation and everything and like how it, it literally in like the last six months, my my brain as far as what we originally taught when we were younger, hey, work hard, save your money, mm-hmm. and then you know eventually you're gonna be able to retire and all mm-hmm. that. It has completely like transformed my mind how like. We've actually been taught ass backwards since we were born about the way money works. Absolutely. And like, I agree 100 Just saving that shit ain't really ain't doing, helping you or doing you nothing at all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a fast path to nowhere. It really yeah. like and it like lately over the last two years, it's exponentially gotten worse. So in which case, it's it's really it's it's, it's funny you say that because like I said, it's like once you once you go down a rabbit hole, that's the term that they use whenever the people start going to get into conspiracies. Like once you go down a rabbit hole, like you officially realize, okay, so this is the shit that people have been talking about like all this time mm-hmm. that like I never really paid, paid attention, attention to. to. Like people tell you to invest, but like no one ever really explains to you exactly a hundred percent why you need to. And once you learn why you need to be investing, then you understand why saving money really doesn't make any sense. Okay. So my next question is, all right, so then you got into trading and I didn't read a bunch of horror stories. <laughs> I didn't seen, uh, you know, obviously they, they, they flaunt the success, you know, the people flaunt the success that, you know, with the Lambos and all that. But, um, when did you decide to take an even further leap? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what? I'm gonna try my hand at this trading shit. Well, up until that point, it, it was really a personal decision for me. So up until that point, I had been to school. I've been to college. I've been in the military. I worked good jobs and I felt that I was good at everything that I did, 
but I was always kind of floating by through life. I was doing just enough to be above average. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's perfectly fine. It's like a light bulb went off. I was, I was looking at YouTube one day and I came across a video about call options and stock options. I'm like, yo, what's this? I started doing some research and like many traders, my first options trade that I placed, I realized how much money I could make and how fast I could make it. And instantly I was just hooked and I felt it just always came natural to me. And ever since I started trading, I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I do want to separate for everyone out there because this is something that gets confused all the time. There's a difference between being a professional trader and being an investor. It's two completely different mindsets. It's two completely different businesses and it requires two completely different levels of attention. And so one of the things that one of the myths that I try to kill all the time from day one, my first four years investing, I never looked at a chart. I never, you know, spent a bunch of time as far as market research because it wasn't necessary being an investor. Right. And I think that's what intimidates a lot of people. But when you get into trading, that's one aspect of it. You're worried about certain uh, parameters. When you, most people want to just be a passive investor, they just want to make their money grow. Mm. And so charts, all the intimidating stuff, the horror stories that you hear are less frequent. As a matter of fact, it's a statistical fact that the longer you hold investments, the more profitable you'll be. Yeah. 20, 20 years is what... They, they say the average is like if you if you hold an investment for at least 20 years, you are guaranteed to be profitable almost always, at least, especially with like inflation to some extent, to some extent. Yeah, because uh, um, I was watching. Uh, I was actually listening to Earn Your Leisure and they were talking to uh, Ryan Leslie and um, like one of his mentors. When he first got into investing, told him like, yo, it's 20 years on everything you put in. So you you hold it for 20 years. Obviously, you know, if you don't see even if you see a slide here or there, you know, understand that those things will come and go. Mm-hmm. But he said, like, the the average they say is 20 years holding investment and you're almost guaranteed to come out profitable. And so I, I do think that that is where um, most people fall off because, you know, we 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 live in a microwave society. We want that instant profitability. And that's where investing and seeing the future down the road where it becomes difficult because I want it right here, right now. Yeah, I need I'm trying to get rich now. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's why most people jump into trading mm-hmm. and then they you try know, to make that quick buck. Yeah, and then they yeah, realize they that, do get slapped in the face. That shit ain't that shit ain't for the ain't for the weak, man. <laughs> like, but, you, but you make a good you make a good point when you say about people don't want to wait. I want to kill another myth as well that I explain to people is people think that one of the common misconceptions is, you know, why should I invest? I don't want to wait till I'm 60 or 70 to enjoy my life. I need to enjoy my life now because I can wake up, die tomorrow, get hit by a bus, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, that, whatever. Right. That yellow shit. That, and that, that is the furthest from the truth. Yeah. And that's why establishing a mindset, establishing goals and establishing what this is actually about is very important. And the psychological aspects of trading by far are the most challenging part because you're not just saving money so that one day when you're seven years old and you can barely walk anymore, you can be rich. No, what investing does is it allows you to build discipline. It allows you to build control of your life. 
and it allows you that extra comfort and security so that you can make decisions in your life. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you are a family and you don't want to work your job anymore and you're just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. I just don't want to work this job anymore. Yeah. And you have a quarter million dollars invested into the stock market. Are you rich? I would say you're not rich, but you can walk away from that job and know that tomorrow you're not going to be, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to be okay. And yeah. too, too many of us and too many of our people simply live paycheck to paycheck. They have no plan or guidance. And Zero. then you tell them, Hey, invest. It might take 20 years to get a million dollars. And they just look at that 20 years and say, well, I might not be alive in 20 years. What's the point? Yeah. It's like, but along that path, I guarantee you might get sick. You might lose a job. Your house might burn down and you need to have something. At least you have a backup protected mm-hmm. against inflation so that you can make decisions and moves. A lot of the moves investors make in the stock market is just to hold capital to pay off a house at a later time, yep. move to a different country, whatever it is, it's, it's very personal to you. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because essentially at the end of the day, it gives you leverage against life. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. And so in which case... Whatever life throws yeah. at you, you know, you kind of... You covered. I ain't even think about that. Yeah, you know, 20 years from now, if I just wanted to take a year off from work, you know what I'm saying? You like, can do that. It's possible that my earlier investments could help me say, you know mm-hmm. what? I need to take a mental break from, like, work. Let me see if I got any capital here. Boom, take a year off. And then maybe you can come back into the workforce. But... That that's a that's an interesting point you bring up because see I'm always now that I now like again now that I've really started diving deep into finances and different things like that my total mind frame has shifted like is as far as like do I really need that shit like when when I can say this put it toward this mm-hmm. and 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 now Cuz brings up an even better point because I'm thinking to myself now like okay you know that make a lot of sense because what happens if you get in a car wreck and you know you got to rehabilitate yourself back to work I mean back to walk again you know what I'm saying it, you know when you're 60 I mean 55 or something like that right you know you might you you wouldn't have had the money you had you invested the money earlier now you have capital and money in order to take care of yourself versus depending on maybe government assistance and other things uh-huh. and maybe your quality of life doesn't change either right exactly. because like those early investments you made now helps you in the future mm-hmm. that makes sense man I ain't think about that I, th- yeah. I ain't think about yeah. that yeah, at I mean, all because like he said yeah. everybody's trying to just look at the end goal oh if all they see is oh it's going to take 20 years to get this but you're not seeing the big picture you're not seeing how you getting from point A to point B you're not seeing the in between you're just trying to yeah. jump from one point to another and not realizing the benefit, you know, benefits of doing this, and it can help you in the long run. Because I know we've heard too many stories where, oh man, if only I would have done this, I would have been able to do this right now. I mean, we all been. If there. I would invested this twenty yeah. years. Ago. Yeah, if I would have invested in this twenty years ago. Yeah. One other thing I want to touch on. I, I don't know. I cuss on here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Seriously. Okay. Right. Oh, we fucking do. <laughs> I came on a little professional, but I want to. I want to talk some real shit. Okay. Here we go. A lot of people think. That investing means that I'm going to walk around looking like Bill Gates. I'm yeah. never going to enjoy a thing. I rock diamonds every single day. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm going to walk investing, around like Bill Gates. <laughs> investing is <laughs> going straight hood. 
Full fledged oh, professional man. nigga. Nigga said, nigga, I'm fly, nigga. I get bitches, nigga. So <laughs> bro, cuz just came off a trip from Columbia, bro. Okay. I've, I've, I've done a lot. Investing is having a plan. Yeah. It's having a plan, sticking to it, and realizing that along that plan, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some good times. There's going to be some bad times. And I want to emphasize, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Good investors are only right about 40 to 60% of the time because markets change, things change. But your biggest goal is to make sure when you're right, you're really right. And when you're wrong, you're only a little wrong. And that's what people, I think, get confused. They look at investing they, you know, we don't already know about it. So you're, you're stepping into this foreign territory and they think like, man, you know, I enjoy going to the ship club. I like doing this. I want to take my girl here. I can't invest. And they think that you have to live in a cardboard box somewhere and dress like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I'm a still, I'm a still rock my Yeezys. Yeah. I'm a still rock my Jordans. I'm a still go. Sometimes I'm a fly first class, damn it. But <laughs> I have a plan for where I want to go and what the hell I actually want to do. And that's budgeted into my plan. Okay. That's the hardest part. It's not actually saving the money. Okay. The problem is a lot of people, when they're faced with the issue, they say you either, you either have an income problem or you have a habits problem. And everybody always automatically thinks I have an income problem. I need to make more money. I need to make more money because I don't mm-hmm. have any money. And most of the time, you just have behavioral problems. That part. Exactly. Because if you live in America, you can make plenty of enough money working a regular job to invest. Is it going to be at the level that some people invest? Absolutely not, because money in, money out, right? Like, I'm never going to bullshit anybody. The more money you put in, the more money you can extract from the market. However, you you can build your way up to that point. And you can build your way up to that point without eating Top Ramen and wearing Wranglers. Okay, <laughs> I about to say I just had some ramen today. Okay, <laughs> no cap, bro, no cap. I came home, I was like, man, I'll make this sandwich and eat a bowl of noodles. No. <laughs> 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 trying to trying to get some shit paid off here. No cap, nigga, extra nigga ate a bowl of noodles. Uh, all right, oh my wait, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, that did bring up a question um, when you talked about the strip club. I, I, I do, I, I do have a question. It will be go. about that, of course. Yeah, out, of, out of everything my cousin just said right now, that was very, you know, that's what stuck out to me. That's what stuck out to of me. course it did. Anything have to do with ass and titties hey man, that sticks your, out to you, but nothing your about your financial there, future sticks out to you. Okay, I would like to know. I would like to know how much have you spent in one night at a strip club? How is this irrelevant to what he's been talking about? Cause it's too, too much. much. Talking about like, too much. like five hundred. Talk five hundred, maybe. Cuz got big. Cuz got big money. Through a band, you know what I'm saying? Maybe through a band. I've kind of graduated from that, but I've had some some run-ins with the strip club. Uh, man, most of us. So one night I was in Vegas, and I won about like six thousand dollars. I woke up and it was all gone. Oh, nigga. <laughs> oh, you know, I could say you got to re- remove your emotional attachment okay. to money. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. Bro, I'm feeling that hurt for the rest of nope. my life. I'm finding this money. It was a cost of doing business. <laughs> Bro, every time I go to the strip club, I'm the brokest motherfucker in there. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the nigga to take to the strip club, okay? Because I could not. 
I cannot enjoy myself because I just <laughs> constantly think about it. now if I'm throwing somebody else's money, oh, it's all good. But <laughs> when I was taking from my bachelor party, oh, it's all good. But every time I go now as a as a paying motherfucker, whoo, <laughs> I'd be like, Ugh. he said he, he woke up and it was you know gone. Woo, shit. Work for this woke shit. up and it was gone. But you know, it should if you know, I'm start start trading here and like cuz. And then you know, <laughs> you're both six thousand. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so here, here's to here's to cause because we get on some real shit. So let's let's give a life lesson here, cause so what's what's the what's the biggest L that you took, and, and you know what did you learn from that? Uh, investing or yeah. trading? Both. Uh, Why not both? Yeah, both. Man. Ooh. <laughs> Damn, I felt that over here. Males, bro. <laughs> I have. So when, when when the COVID crash happened, uh, my account was positive at that time, maybe like thirty or forty thousand dollars, and it dipped into the negative. My long term investment account. Now, understand when I say negative, it doesn't mean you have negative dollars. You know, if you, if you had a $80,000 account, maybe it drops down to $40,000. And you're like, man, you know, 30,000 of that was in gains. Now it's at this point. So, so when the COVID crash happened uh, in like March, April, 2020, yeah. I was down pretty bad and I never sold anything. And I really wasn't bothered by it because one thing that psychologists have found and that's proven is that when you have actual cash or you have money in your bank account, you have more of an attachment to it than if it's somewhere else. Yeah. You know, you kind of just, that makes sense. it, it kind of happened just so fast. Like the market crashed in 22 days. Yeah. So I kind of just saw it in the negative and I'm like, well, I mean, I just got to ride it out. You know, Unfortunately. Uh, the, 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 the biggest loss I've taken day trading, man. Uh, I, I have some stories. I think the biggest single day loss is about $24,000. Mm. $24,000. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a painful lesson. Mm. Yeah. That, that shit is not for the week. <laughs> it's not for the week. For the week. It really is. It's not cause I'm weak. <laughs> I'd be somewhere in a corner balled up, bro. <laughs> no cap. Oh, trust me. I, I should have never been in that position. I should have never lost that much. You know, a big part of trading is risk and money management against people's beliefs you know they think that we're just guys that do a bunch of market research and go in the market and gamble and actually most of the business is money and risk management so uh in my beginning days in every trader's beginning days you have a lot of growing pains and it's one of my growing pains and really i was, I was sick and <laughs> yeah. about a lot of crazy stuff but but I really thought about it and I, and, and I kind of just said to myself, I said, and this is how you recover with, with, with anything in life, right? especially when you're dealing with money. I said, look, I can quit trading right now, right? Like I can walk away. I still have my house. I'm going to still pay my bills. I'm going to still be fine. But mm-hmm. if I walked away, would I continue to live my life and be happy knowing I walked away from something that I believe I could be successful at? And when it comes to trading, it absolutely is a business. It's not a game. It's not gambling. And that's one of my beefs with kind of the trading community now and things like Robinhood is that it gamifies it and it's real money on the line. And it's very serious. And to be a successful trader, you have to run one of the most difficult businesses that there is that exists in the world. 
and you learn a lot of business skills. You learn a lot of things about yourself. And again, you learn that the sun is still going to shine. You know, the wolf's going to howl, howl. Yeah. the bird's going to chirp. And at some point you made some kind of decision that went south because nobody made you push the buy button. Nobody made you push the sell button. You did something by your interpretation of the market that caused you to get this loss and you need to correct yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So winner's mentality right there, bro. I mean, you yes. got, you, you got to, cause you take a $24,000 yeah. loss. Most people that would break them. <laughs> like you, you gotta be prepared for that. And I know me, like, yeah. um, I ain't no punk, but $24,000 might've, Man, that's a that's an uppercut right there. So now let me mention though too. I lost fifteen. I almost called into work today. I lost fifteen. How's that been playing this black ass? I lost fifteen. Talking about because you lost fifteen dollars, you was gonna lose out on making one hundred and fifty. What kind of shit is that? Like you hurt. You like you not on salary, cuz like you got to take your ass to work. Like I just need I just need to spark up a blunt or something to get my mind off. <laughs> Man, I'm sure I that shit. All right, so I've, I've, I've smoked a lot to make it through the trading day, and, and you know what? That's that's what's so difficult about the business is it's not learning the market. Like the market is the market. It's yeah. it's it's a very complex environment, but it's not it's not rocket science. It's all the hardest part yeah. is you. The mm-hmm. hardest part is your emotions. The hardest part is knowing. Hey, I just lost a thousand dollars, but that's only X amount of percent of my account. Let me walk away because today is not my day. But when you're in that environment, you get caught up and trying to regain that money back. I've had days I lost money and I've just completely just like, I'm going to go to the bar and just forget everything even exists. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that twenty four thousand dollar day had yeah, to be that day. Give me a bottle ASAP. I'm throwing this motherfucker back. <laughs> so my question is, uh, the way you handled that loss, would you agree that it would be differently, for example, my brother handling a loss like that, who's married, has a you know, who's married, has a daughter, has a baby on the way. You not married, no family. You don't have that much responsibility or taking care of others and making sure they're okay than he does. So wouldn't you agree that mentally someone would be affected more and have a harder time handling that than someone like, you know, you and me that's like, okay, you know, we'll be okay kind of situation. Absolutely. Some people crack. And they just can't handle it. Now, that is why, going back to my first point, separating investing from trading, right? I push people more towards investing because trading is like 1% of the population. Mm -hmm. The average person walking down the street has zero interest in being a trader. It sounds good on paper, but they have zero Mm -hmm. interest just because the amount of work, the amount of level of detail that's involved. And they're just like, hey, I'm cool working my job. I'm happy with what I do. I just want to make my money grow. That's investing. When you're talking about trading, you're entering into a full-fledged business of money management, risk management, and being a speculator of the market. And you have to, one, one of the lessons that you have to learn about the market, and what I think is confusing for a lot of people that aren't involved in the market, is there's a difference between a speculator and an investor. When we talk about people like Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, those are investors. 
right? They, they're, they're interested in buying businesses. They're interested in the numbers, the long-term fundamentals. I solely believe in that side and I've been an investor and I started out as an investor. But when you're talking about being a trader, you're not just taking a niche of the market and saying, Hey, I want to be a professional at money management, risk management, and a professional market speculator. And that's where you see the lifestyle, the Lambo, the guy that made 50,000 in one day, basically you're a market speculator, but along that comes with a certain level of risk and responsibility. So to answer the questions, when anybody that's interested in being a trader, you have to realize the reality of the business, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not going to get on here and tell people to follow me and tell people their life is going to be great. The reality of the business is that you're in the business of making money, yeah. right? You're not about to take $5,000 and turn it into a quarter million dollars. That would be like a 10,000% return. That's absolutely ridiculous to even think about, right? So if you want to be a trader, you need to realize you're in the business of money. You need to realize that if I started a gym, if I started a steakhouse, if I started any type of other business, I'm going to incur some losses probably about two to three years until I find out what the hell I'm even doing. I need to find out what people like to, what time people like to come to a restaurant, what type of steak do they like? What type of service do they like? What type of people am I serving? Well, the same thing goes in trading. However, unfortunately with trading in the stock market, the way it's advertised, which is very deceptive, and the thought about it, like, hey, I'm going to just enter here with $10,000 of my life savings and I can turn it into 100000 and everything's going to be fine and dandy. No, because you would never open up a, a gym and think that I'm going to open up this gym and within six months, I'm going to make $100,000. No, I'm going to lose some money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I got to buy some equipment. I got to figure out what works. I got to pay the electric even when I have no members. Exactly. This is training. So when, when, when you understand the business and you want to be a professional, when you take a $24,000 loss, it, on it, every time I've taken a big loss, and I've taken a lot of them, you, it makes you better. You get better, right? Because Hopefully. either you can give up and just say trading's not for me and fine, it's not for everybody, right? Like you have to have a lot of thick skin. Or you can break the business down and say, if there's a 1% out there that's making money in the markets, there's something that they're doing that I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference? And mm-hmm. how do I fix that? Okay. All right. Man, that, like I said, I didn't, I didn't see some YouTube videos of like some absolute horror stories. Sorry, no trade name for me. That, 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 no. Nah, yeah. I'm, I'm still too emotionally attached. I'm getting better, but I'm still emotionally <laughs> too better. attached to to, 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 to this money. Well, well, here's the thing. Let's switch gears here for a second because again, because it's right, 99% of people walking down the street have no interest in trading. And dare I say, 90% of the people walking down the street have almost have maybe interest in investing, but have no idea where to start, what to to do about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in which case, um, now everyone has, and and I think at this point with, with internet, massive amount of resources out there, people now have a better understanding of like investing, you know, saying what it is, not maybe necessarily how to do it, where to put that money, but, um, you hear the term diversification thrown around a lot, especially when it comes to investing your money. Um, now, is there a certain is to a certain extent, because also I listen to Earn Your Leisure a lot. They talk about, you know, you need to find three or four, three to five guns to stick to. And, you know, that's where most of your capital needs to go to. And then you can diversify a little bit. But, you know, um, they talk about people like Warren Buffett. A lot of these guys, they really got, you know, three or five like real things that they, you know, 
predominantly put their money into that's where their market grows, how they grow their capital. And then, you know, they might diversify a little bit outside of that. But they say you can't buy the whole market. Like you can't diversify through the whole market. So what's your take on that? Because like, what do you what would you say is too much diversification? All right. So since since we keep it real on here, I'm going to be all the way real and funky. Okay. Right. There's a lot of bad information on the internet. There's a lot of misinformation. And I'm, I'm not specifically talking about earning your leisure or whatever, but just using them as an example. Yeah. People say Warren Buffett does this, so you need to do this. Well, Warren Buffett is dealing and managing billions of dollars. Right. So <laughs> yeah. he can exactly. With, with a percent return, investing in Bank of America and Coke mm-hmm. yeah. and just kind of collect the dividends. Mm-hmm. So I say that as far as it comes to diversification, it is a personal decision that you have to make as an investor. There's no 100 percent full safe recipe. Mm-hmm. I have my recipe based on my goals, based on how I what returns I want to have. And I know that's not the answer that a lot of people like because they, they want a cut and paste method. They yep. want something but guaranteed. That's, that's the challenging part of investing is mm-hmm. there's no cut and paste method. What works for somebody else may not work for, for you. you. So mm-hmm. you have to go through the painful process of finding out what your comfort level is, what your risk tolerance is. If you're somebody that says, hey, I have like zero risk tolerance. If I see my account go down by 10 percent. I'm ready to lose it all. <laughs> ready to sell. <laughs> you need to be invested a certain way. You might not want to invest in some of the stuff I invest in. Yeah. Whereas somebody like me, I can put five to ten thousand dollars on an investment, and in ten years, if it goes to zero, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because I've made money in other places and I have a risk tolerance. If I know on a on a similar investment, I can make a five x or a ten x. It all balances out. So you have to find that risk tolerance. Now, most people are risk averse, right? Like that's the whole point. They, they say, I want to lose the least amount of money yeah. and I want to gain the right amount of money. Like that's the name of the game in the business. So with that, for a, a beginner investor, there are certain strategies and certain things that you can use that you can grow your money in a very simple way, be diversified and not have that much downside risk. The problem comes in that naturally as humans, and this goes about to the hard part of investing being the, the, the mindset is it's very hard to sit on the sidelines, getting your consistent 10 to 15%. When you see somebody owns Tesla and it's gone up 200%. Yeah. You see the guy, the 17 year old in Wichita, Kansas, that posts a screenshot saying he just made a quarter million on Bitcoin. Yeah. And you're sitting here with your 10, $20,000 gains. Like, well, I must be doing something wrong. No, you're not doing anything wrong because you have to create a process. This is about process and it's about creating a process that you can repeat over many and many and many, many years. A lot of people go broke in the market, not because of diversification. It's not because they weren't smart. It's because they go out, make these wild goose bets and their downside protection is so unreal that if one bad thing happens, they're completely wiped out and devastated. Yeah, that don't get me wrong. That that make that make plenty of sense because I remember looking at Tesla last year and seeing where it was, and then seeing it where it is this year. Thinking to myself, like, bro, if I had just put a hundred dollars in Tesla last year compared to where it is today, um, and and seeing and seeing how like you know certain stocks get certain gains, and constantly focusing on my constantly focusing on 
thinking about, well, which one's going to give me the most gain and not having any real plan into putting money where it needs to be and how I wanted to, to, to invest the way that I needed to versus uh, thinking about versus thinking about how much money I can make versus thinking about how much money I can lose at the same time. So when I look at investing now, my mind is more clear. I'm like, okay, here's where I'm going to put my money. If it goes up, if it goes down, it doesn't matter because see, I believe in this wholeheartedly versus just throwing money into something and hoping that I get super big gains mm-hmm. and then selling that off and then throwing it into something else because now this is growing. And the problem is, is a lot of times you can FOMO into something where it's already reached like the peak of where it's going to be. And then now the slide comes because people start taking profits. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so in which case, yeah. now you done made the mistake of you, you, you came out of something that, you know, you were growing in constantly, you know, 10, 15% over return. And now you didn't slid into something that, you know, you FOMO'd into. Now that shit done slid off 30 to 40% because of a sell off or IPO, you know, cause that shit happened with a firm, a both bunch of people that I knew bought into a firm and then, you know, it did great, but then it slid down, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now it's like, eh. so that's where I can see how people, you paying attention to where other people are making gains, seeing where there is, but like they show you those gains most of the time, usually at the peak of where it's like hitting it. So now you're fumbling into, you know, you're not getting much return mm-hmm. out of what you just put into. And what you, what you touched on is the most difficult part for one of the, the beginning investor, right? Is what's bad. What's good. I see, you know, so many people just look at a stock price or a stock ticker as just this price, yeah. right? They have no correlation to what the price is. So as the price is going up, you think, oh, this is a great investment. Well, not so much. One of the things that you have to reverse in your mind, that's the most difficult part of this whole pro- the process of investing is creating the process and not worrying about the profits. Because usually when the stock market is really high, it's not as good as you think it is. And usually when it's really low, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's mm-hmm. kind of somewhere in between. It's always kind of somewhere in between. Yeah. So for the beginning investor, they see all this money being made in their neighbor and their 17 year old, you know, friend's kid or whoever is making all this money. And you're sitting there like, well, what am I doing? And you start making all these irrational, emotional decisions instead of saying, okay, what am I actually doing? Why am I doing it? And let me let the plan unfold. So one of the things as, Stocks like Tesla, Bitcoin, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't buy any of these, but Tesla can go to $3,000. I don't care. I'm not losing any sleep over it because I have a process. I stick to that process. And I know that as long as I stick to that, process, even if I'm right half of the time, I'm still going to make money in the long run. Mm-hmm. And as long as I don't lose a bunch of money, taking risky bets, hoping that it works, then I'll always be protected. Yeah. And, and, and it, it becomes this kind of tug of war inside because understand that the market has no emotion and it's completely irrational, right? Like the market can go up 10% one day, it can go 5% because there's nothing but buyers and sellers. And so buyers and sellers are humans and humans have emotions. So it's down one day, it's down this day, it's up this time, news article says this, debt ceiling this, the president's getting impeached. Throughout your investing career, there's going to be wars, there's going to be elections, there's going to be defaults, there's going to be all this noise in the market. We call it market noise. 
You have to ignore the noise and focus on the business. When you're investing, you are buying a business. So, for example, I see the characters behind you. You like Marvel. You like let, let's say I offered to sell you Marvel, right? Like Marvel has some kind of value based on what their movies are worth, what their characters are worth, everything. Your objective as an investor is to determine what that value is, what it can be, mm-hmm. and what I'm paying for it. It's not. It doesn't matter if it's gone up the last ten years. It doesn't matter if some guy on YouTube says it's going to a trillion dollars. Your job is to say, what can I pay for this? And am I getting a deal based on what I'm getting? Yeah. That's the whole name of the game. And that's what's the confusing part because it's like, what is it actually worth? Which is why you have to have a process on evaluating what something is worth. Like my man Hope said, you know the price of everything, but you know the value of nothing. Nothing. That makes sense. Okay. All right. All right, still rolling through this here. Uh, Now let's get into, again, a term I hear a lot as I've started delving into this. I hear the S&P 500 get thrown around a lot. Like in almost every video, that's what they compare everything to, like the S&P 500. For for a better understanding, what's the S&P 500 and why do we constantly hear about it in relation to how the market is doing? So what the S&P 500 is, it stands for Standard & Poor's 500. It's the top 500 rated companies by Standard & Poor's. So when you look at the S&P 500, it kind of gives you the heartbeat of the market because it's the top 500 companies in the largest economy in the world, the United States. So when you look at that, you can kind of gauge the heartbeat of how the market feels. Not how the economy is, there's a difference, but how the market feels. So if you see the S&P 500 is skyrocketing, you know that sentiment is very high, right? So you need to adjust your mindset based on sentiment being high. And and it's used a lot because not only is the S&P widely traded, a lot of pension funds, retirement funds, and this goes to another point. The funniest thing about the stock market is people say stock market is rigged, it's stupid. I don't want to invest in it. But if you have a 401k, if you have a retirement plan, if your job has any kind of retirement plan, they're investing your money into the stock market. Mm-hmm. More than likely it's invested into the S&P 500 or some kind of mutual fund or some kind of broad market fund. So you're already involved in the market. Yeah. I don't want to get off on, on this, another subject. This is an important point to understand. Of, of my total investment thesis on why we invest is because if you have a 401k with your job, yes, you're invested. Yes, you get tax benefits, but that money is tied up unless you pay a penalty until you're 65. That's perfectly fine. Invest in your 401k. You get a lot of tax benefits. It'll be there. It'll grow. But again, going back to our first point, why would I only invest in my 401k so that if my wife gets sick, if my car breaks down, mm-hmm. if my house catches on fire, I'm going to not only pay taxes to the government, but I'm going to pay a penalty on, on those taxes mm-hmm. for taking my own money. That makes no sense. Yeah. So you need to be invested on your own so you can have your own control mm-hmm. of your capital. And also being invested on your own helps you understand what's going on in your retirement. It's just like in 2008 when people had these 401ks and they're like, oh, I'm about to retire. And the whole thing is wiped out the next year. And they blame the system. Well, there's ways to protect against that, right? Like you can't protect against it all, but you need to at least have some kind of idea of what's going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause yeah, that was like the biggest thing in 2009. All these people getting ready to retire and then boom, like 
boys was done. Okay. All right. <laughs> it is. And, but, uh, like you said, everything rebounds eventually, but you know, it takes, takes years for that to occur. Okay. So still going. Now let's get to, to, to my bread and butter, the shit that like I'm in and understanding, like, I only know, I only got the game on like a micro level. So when I be talking to people now, like now I'm trying to talk to people on the, on a sense of here's the thing, man. Like I've been looking into this shit heavily. I need y'all to understand that like, this is the reason why like shit seem more expensive and the reason why we keep seeing poor and poor. So let's get into the topic of inflation. Okay. Because, um, my entire life, you know, you hear inflation, you you kind of have an idea, right? Okay, yeah, shit keep getting expensive. Inflation is standard 3% over year return, but no one ever really explains to you exactly why inflation keeps occurring. Like, first off, what is the purpose of inflation? Why it occurs? And then how come saving your money is is essentially a death sentence because of inflation? So in which case, let's get into that. Cause so for, the, for, for people for taking on, People don't got any idea of inflation. Like, what is inflation? So all inflation is, is if those figures behind you, if there's only one of them that exists in the world, it holds some kind of value. And depending on the supply and demand for that particular item, there's only one. So it has a certain level of supply and demand. As there's more supply of money in the system, the demand naturally and this goes to more complex things, but on a very basic level, the more money that's in circulation, the more expensive things become because that money holds less and less value. That's a very elementary explanation of yeah. inflation. However, inflation is always built into the system because we work off what's called a fractional banking system that incorporates the Federal Reserve. You yeah. probably, since COVID, have heard the Federal Reserve come up a lot. They've been in the news a lot. But essentially, it's built into the system. It's always going to happen. They're not going to reverse it. And it's here to stay. It's been that way. It's been that way across many governments, over many societies, over many nations. It's just the way it is. And the only way to stop it is when your government defaults on their dollar or whatever their money system is. And you've seen other countries create new monetary systems based on whatever fractional banking system they want they want to use. But inflation is the silent killer and investing protects you against inflation is supposed to. But really, for example, if you look at the COVID-19 pandemic, the real winners out of all of this are asset owners, right? That's the only way you're going to beat inflation. So if you owned a house before COVID or you owned stocks, you've made it out of COVID like a bandit. You've made it out richer than you were before COVID while everybody else that didn't hold assets because they said the stock market is stupid and it's rigged and all this other stuff. They're the losers. The government gave you a $1,200 check. They said, thank you for your service. Now get the hell on while everybody else has made tenfold. Yeah. I mean, it was it uh, like inflation really inflation really hit me when I found about how just a few, like, was a couple of years ago, Jeff Bezos was the first person, like, cross what, $100 billion? And, like, now these boys are worth $200 billion today. Like, and you're talking about in a three, four-year span here. 
Like we went from having the first hundred billion dollar person to now these people are now worth 200 billion because of inflation, because more money has been pumped into the market. So now that assets are worth this because of how much money mm-hmm. we have in circulation. Like that's crazy to me. I think about it on, in terms of because uh, I work in out of motor field, uh, a brand new 20, 2015 F-350 used to be $50,000 fully loaded. These jokers $85,000 now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Big it's difference. <laughs> like it's crazy. And like on a on a micro level where you know you kind of see it because obviously a jug of milk hasn't gone up to $10 yet, but you know, one day it might, you know it what I'm saying? Be, yeah. So in which case like that's what that's that's what really kind of got me started into it. I ran across a video of inflation. It was the first one I ever watched where like someone actually broke it down and that led me to like looking into this other documentary that explained banking and all this other shit and I'm like, "Yo, this shit is like it don't make no sense. It makes sense, but it don't make sense. sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's where my take came in. And so that's 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 been my journey as I've tried to explain to family and friends, like, hey, here's the reason why people been explaining that we need to invest. No one ever really breaks it down on like a, a a very understandable level. And so in which case you hear someone telling you to invest, yo, you need to be investing your money, you need to be investing your money, but no one really tells Tell you, you why. In between, that's all yeah, that's all yeah. you get. It's because saving doesn't inflation kills your savings. You can you should have an emergency fund, but the vast majority of your money that you're looking for to use twenty years from now, you need to be investing that shit. Well it's all emotional. When you look at your savings account and that money is just sitting there, it makes you feel comfortable. Whereas the stock market is an irrational environment mm-hmm. where your money kind of goes like this, right? Yeah. All mental. That's a very that's a very big thing for people to get over. But I also want to touch on when you said understanding what it's all about. Again, people think that investing is all about being rich, having a big house, having a Lamborghini, and a wife with some big fake tits. And I completely <laughs> argue against that. If if yeah. that's what you desire in your life, have at it, get right? It. But the average, what you'll find out is the average successful investor, these guys, they live very simple lives because they understand the process and they understand what it's really about. What is it really about? Well, it's about a couple of things. Part of it is financial security, but part of it, especially as a black person, is knowing the system. Yeah, The system is Ever since the inception of America, the system has been created for the landowner, the business owner, and the investor. All the laws are put that way. Whenever the stock market just goes down like 20%, who steps in? Congress and the Senate. Mm -hmm. They're ready to inflict action. If you lose your job tomorrow, nobody's coming to say they don't care. Mm -hmm. If the stock market just, if the stock market went down by 30% tomorrow, it's all you would hear about until they fixed it. Yeah. Now, in that, you have to realize that just like the COVID-19 relief bills, when they sign a trillion dollar bill and they cut you a $12,000 or $1,200 check and you're like, oh, my God, the government's so great. That bill was a trillion dollars. Yeah. There's only 300 and something million people. Understand one billion is a thousand millions. You printed off a trillion dollars. Where did all the money go? That part. When they print these relief bills, a lot of the money goes to businesses a lot of the money goes to banks. What do banks and businesses do? They invest capital. That's the whole purpose of a bank. They reinvest capital. Businesses reinvest capital. So if I sign off a trillion dollar bill, I give the have nots 10 billion of it. Who cares? I'm just throwing out a number. These businesses get the money. They then turn around and what do they do? They buy investment properties. They buy stocks. 
That's why you see this rise in assets, yeah. which is why it's important to own assets because you're kind of just riding the wave and understand that the wave is going to go down sometimes. But overall, you will come out a winner if you just kind of ride the wave. 20 years. 20 years. Okay. All right. So last off, before we get into my favorite topic, crypto. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Absolutely. All right. So um, um, we've been hearing a lot about the dead ceiling. They sent that shit out to like December. Um, just to get your personal perspective on it. Uh, obviously, if, if you're a person that understands finance, you would hope that like they would just go ahead and say, well, I guess if you own assets, you hope they just keep pumping more money into the market. But the reality is, is, and so kind of where I've been watching, um, how much longer, I mean, I guess no one really has the answer, but it's like, how much longer can we do this? I mean, right. Like if everything is tied to the American dollar, right. So I guess my question is, is all like, is this, is it possible for it even to continue? Like, can they just keep printing off money inevitably to the point to where, because inevitably you get to a point to where, I mean, the average person won't be able to even fill up their car. You know what I'm saying? A, a Toyota Corolla, yeah. like I said that one time, a Toyota Corolla going to cost 50 grand. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. boys going to be yeah. driving, yeah. Pre- boys going to be driving Yaris's. That's going to be like a baller car. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you just got a Corolla? Like a Corolla's going to be like the new, the like, Lexus, top- Mercedes. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Cause like boys ain't going to be able to afford the average, you know what I'm saying? Shit. And then that's when the real apocalypse come, right? Because when niggas can't eat, that's when niggas fight back. So they have to, I understand that like, yeah, it's created that way, but they have to have some type of end game here, right? They have to have a way of which they're going to revert back and somewhat baseline this shit though, right? Because you can't constantly go up forever. Shit always comes back down. Yeah, if you look at the history of nations going back to the Romans, the Greeks, it always does come back down. And niggas um, burn shit down. spending always gets out of control. <laughs> that, that whole part. And at some point, there has to be some kind of rectification. Now, if I knew that when that rectification was coming, I'd be a very rich man. No one knows. I don't care who on YouTube says that they know this sign, that sign. No one knows. This happens. You know, we had the crash in 87. We had the dot-com crash, the financial crisis. They thought the world was going to be over. I will say, as far as the debt ceiling goes, they have to raise it. At this point, just because as a politician, nobody wants to jump on that grenade. Everybody knows it's gone way too far. Democrat, Republican, whoever. There's been multiple. This has been going on for a very long time. Right. Across many different administrations. They have what's called quantitative easing now. Yeah. They have all these different little metrics. But but the reality is. Is that as the world has expanded, the, the economy has become more global. So the United States being the biggest economy going uh, in the world, if we go down, everybody's coming down with us. Yeah. So I'm not saying that the system is foolproof, but what I am saying is that if our system fails, there's going to be a lot of dead bodies in the street with us. And so everybody wants to prevent that. So you've seen what happened in the global financial crisis it hit Europe, it hit Asia, but ultimately everybody came together to try to rectify the issue. The issue definitely is out of control, but our job as a personal investor, and this is another point I'll touch on briefly is that as a single investor, you actually have an advantage over the guys on wall street and the banks and all that. You don't have as much capital to deploy, 
but you have an advantage because you're not forced to follow the herd and you are more flexible in the market. If the market chopped by 30%, the banks, the financial, they're probably going to default, right? If you lost 30% of your money, then you only lose 30% of your money. You don't face defaults. You don't face margin calls. You don't face the ramifications that some of these institutions face. So, man, I wish I knew the answer when it would end because I could ultimately short the market. Uh, Yeah, right. We don't know. (laughs) Right? Like, we don't know. But our job as an investor is to stay the course because this is one point that not a lot of people think about when the fear and the doomsday seeps in, right? The S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in the United States. Let's say you invested in nothing else but the S&P 500. You made no other investment for the rest of your life. And you say, I'm afraid that this is going to crash, go to zero, I'm going to lose all my money. Do you understand for that to happen, that essentially means that the top 500 companies in the United States all went bankrupt? Mm. We're talking Apple, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Walmart, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD, Boeing, Coke. The list goes on and on. That would essentially mean a total economic collapse. And in that situation, I have a lot more worries than my money in the stock market. Just me personally. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that that would be a complete meltdown of the entire economy. Yeah, that's so okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, man. I've been super frustrated. I've been super I don't know, I won't say down a rabbit hole, but it's this plunging into that motherfucker. Like, Yo, <laughs> you these, getting there. <laughs> these niggas on YouTube scare me. What's the what's the boy name? Uh Michael Burry? Michael Burry, uh, Ray Dalio. Yeah, big a, short guy. Huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Schiff. Been watching a lot of him, too. Um, but yeah, they've they been, um, and they talking about inflation. I'm just like, okay, I get it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, is like, what's the end game here? Y'all know it also. But okay, all right, cool. All right, lastly, so let's get into crypto, because so, uh, with that being said, we've talked about this before. We've, we've had conversations. So, so my question to you is, is, um, as as an investor, do you see do do you see any potential in crypto at all? And if so, um, because again, right, we you crypto is referred to as a speculative stock or maybe even a commodity. So in which case, if if you were to tell anyone to invest in crypto, also how much would you recommend allocating percentage wise of their portfolio into it? Because essentially, it's a right, risky so this investment. Is this this is the number one question I receive all the time. Yes. Right. So I want to break this down. As an investor, your job is to uh, try to avoid massive pitfalls, right? Especially as a beginner investor. If I lose 10%, I can come back. If I lose 20%, it's bad. I can come back. Even if I lose 50%, I need to double my account again to get even, but I'm not out the game. Yeah. Your objective is to stay in the game. The game is all based on stats, data, and statistics, right? You're, you're trying to take the most probabilistic route to where you're trying to get. Now, when it comes to crypto, should somebody invest in it? Whether you should invest it or not is a personal decision. My suggestion though, if you want to own crypto, it should be a small percentage of your portfolio. I'm talking 5% at the most, okay. right? So 
if I'm running a portfolio of half a million dollars, which sounds like a lot of money, but you can get there over a few, a decade or so, right? If I'm managing a portfolio of half a million dollars and I have, let's say, $5,000 to $15,000 and Bitcoin goes kaput, who the hell really cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's $15,000 yeah. out of $500,000. Yeah. What lies in the problem with new investors and why I steer away from Bitcoin and all these speculative things is if you're just starting out in the market and you have a total portfolio of $10,000 and three to $4,000 is in on Bitcoin, that's 40% of your entire portfolio. Mm-hmm. In the event that anything happens to Bitcoin, you will be completely devastated, not only emotionally, but it's hard to come back from those things for the average person because the average person is very psychological. It takes a long time to break that psychology from your money. That's what discourages a lot of investors. Now, going back to the point of stats, stats, data, and statistics, when we look at history, when it comes to the 2000.com era, 87 uh, crash, Black Monday, the 60s with the electronic era, the uh, 1929 crash, there's always certain environments that exist that are pitfalls for traders. One of them is speculative nature. When everybody's very optimistic about something, when everybody says you can't miss out on this, when it's the new wave of technology, prices get drawn up because it's nothing but supply and demand. And ultimately, the market always rectifies. So I visit the 2000 era, the dot-com era, when the internet was the next biggest thing. You couldn't miss investing on the internet. You had all these internet stocks, Intel, Cisco, Microsoft, Amazon at the time. Amazon went from $100 to $1. And everybody has this glory story of, oh, if I would have bought Amazon. No, you wouldn't have bought it. You'd probably sold and you'd have been mad and you'd walk away from the market. Mm. Like, let's, let's just be honest. Pretty much. Right? When you see an investment go from $100 to $1. So when it comes to that, it always has the same symptoms. There is extreme optimism. You can't go wrong. You never can lose money. This is the future. And the internet was the future. Like, the internet's the biggest thing now, right? But when you pay, too much for us. A lot of those internet companies from the dot-com era went completely bust. The only ones that really made it out was Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Cisco and Intel. If you look at a chart of their stock has still not hit their all-time highs from 2000. Mm. So when people have this idea that I can buy anything at any price and just because I'm invested, it's going to go up, go look at a chart from the dot-com era. The price you pay in speculation does absolutely matter. Absolutely. Now, let's say you would have made a mistake back in 2000 and bought Cisco or Intel expensive. If you would have stuck to the process and had a process and kept investing in it, you would have probably made some gains over time. Most people don't have a process. That's the whole point. And so they would just gave up and headed to the exits. So when it comes to crypto, I say this. I do think crypto is a useful tool, right? Like it's useful technology. Just because something useful doesn't make it a good investment. Okay. I love Tesla. I love the cars. I love Elon Musk. I think it's absolutely amazing technology. I don't invest in the stock. I think the stock's way overpriced. That's just my personal opinion. This isn't financial advice. I'm not saying buy it. Don't buy it. I personally don't invest in it because I believe it's way too overpriced for how I invest. So with that being said, when it comes to crypto, I just say, where are you getting your value from? If somebody can explain that to me, then we can debate what the buying price is, but nobody knows the true value of it 
Okay. Because you're measuring something that's immeasurable. That's my main beef with crypto. And when you say, well, what does it matter? This guy says it's going to a million. It's going to take over the whole world. Okay, if I handed you an iPhone, the iPhone is a revolutionary device that took over the world. Would you pay a million dollars for a single iPhone? So when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. You know, at, at some point, there has to be some kind of rectification. If I invest in a company like Apple, I can look at their balance sheet. I can look at what the CEO says. I can look at their conference calls and say, hey, I think Apple is worth this based on X, Y, and Z factors. Now, whether I'm right or wrong or not is to be said because nobody knows the future, right? We're not in the business of predicting the future. We're in business of stats, data, and statistics that say if this comes true and if it's what I think is worth, I need to buy here and I need to sell here. Not just I'm going to buy it at any price. And because this guy just said so, it's going to go up. So my question to all the crypto fans out there is if you have these lofty predictions, what are you basing this prediction on? What is it anchored to? Don't tell me it's anchored to just some guy just said it. You have to have some kind of basis of value because humans are emotional. We see that one, at some point, MySpace was the hottest thing. At some point, Facebook was the hottest thing. Now it's Instagram. So you can't tell me in 20 years Bitcoin has to be it. What's preventing fat coin, douchebag coin, coin, whatever the hell. The owner cult theory. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Douchebag. Douchebag. It's got cuz face all over it. (laughs) Facts. Like, oh, we should create a coin and put cuz face on it on Cardell. Uh, fuck boy coin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, if you if you want to speculate, if you're the guy that made a bunch of money on big, hey, congratulations, man. Like I'm yeah. not hating on you. Have at it. But when we're talking about investing and sound investing, you're always trying to just avoid these pitfalls. And if you understand the history of the stock market and human emotions you'll realize that every single time that optimism is super high, you can't miss all these other things. It usually is a miss. You usually just steer away from it. I don't want to be involved in it because if everybody already knows about it, the secret's already out. You know, it's already too late. I needed to be invested in this years ago if I was going to take advantage of this. And And you just say, Hey, I missed it. Who the hell cares? Every single day, Every single year, there are stocks, there's some investment that goes up a thousand, ten thousand percent, whatever the case is. I'm not worried about the ones that I miss. I'm worried about the ones that I can avoid. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. Although I'm a challenge to a certain extent because, um, actually, because you, you actually challenged my entire thesis on why I was investing into it, which made me essentially go back and say, you know, because it's probably right. Like I'm just throwing money into something because I see the price rather than understanding the entire technology and what's the purpose of it. And it was actually through the conversations that we had actually made me look more into it. That actually has essentially, um, confirm my belief in the technology for the future. Now, whether I'm right or wrong, that's, that's yet to be said. And in which case currently right now, up until I actually got a new job now, so I'm going to be making significantly more money. Uh, <laughs> I've only had, you know what I'm saying? Let me hold $20. I don't know about all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only, only had about, you know what I'm saying? Give or take money here and there to invest into it. Um, so in which case I would say that roughly about, 
three percent of my total salary for the past year has been invested into into my crypto assets. But my thesis was changed primarily because um, in the beginning, I was just told by someone that was like, yo, you need to look into this shit. This shit keep going up. And and to a certain extent, like I just FOMO'd into it. I was all like, okay, well, this shit is going up. So in which case, started reading up on it. But as I as I started to understand the technology more, understanding blockchains, understanding the 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 ecosystems that Visa and MasterCard are building behind it right now, this is what made me believe in it. Because I seen you post either a story or a or a uh it was a video where um, two guys were talking about like, what's the fundamentals of Bitcoin? You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, if you want to invest in the Apple, you go look at the fundamentals, you can go see what the company is doing. Well, I'm saying to a certain extent, I can challenge that as well because the fundamentals of crypto technology is the mass adoption that we see across the board of it. And, and whether or not that comes tumbling down to a halt, you know, that's, that's yet to be seen. But what I'm saying is, is, it's essentially the crypto is where is that is today is because of the the institutional investors that are now moving the money into the market. Most people still have no idea about crypto. I talk to people every day at work and they ain't got a single clue. So it's not that money that's actually pumping the price. It's the institutions. So I'm saying mm. if, if 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 they're believing in it and they're building ecosystems for the future, because right now they have BitPay where you can actually take your crypto today and actually start using it to pay for stuff. So I'm saying I, I'm not I'm not so much saying that yo know, this shit is guaranteed to work, but I'm saying that these these financial markets and banks and people that's been doing this for years are finding their way into it. And if it does become the future, there's a reason behind. Does it, it make it a reasonable asset when you see the 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 ecosystems that are being built on top of the blockchain technology today? Is what I it, it is basically what I'm saying. So there's, there's two points I want to touch on. Okay. First about the institutions. And this is a side of a business that not a lot of people see. Okay. The institutions and the banks, and I don't mean this to sound insulting to them, they have no idea what they're doing. Not to say that I'm a genius, but it works like this. As a bank or institution, your job is to extract as much money from the market as possible to please shareholders and to return money to investors. So again, if I'm a broker at an institution and I have clients and I make a consistent 15%, but for a three years straight, the guy next to me makes a hundred percent because he's invested in crypto. At some point I have to adjust whether it's a good investment or it's not. I have to adjust because my job is to provide the most you know, money to my clients. So how many times have you seen in the history of the stock market where analysts or all these people they predict all, all these predictions and then they're completely wrong. They're, they're completely way off. It's because they're in a business. And at the end of the day, those guys are taking home commission, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They don't care what happens. They care about making the most money possible. As a personal investor, I care about growing my money and protecting my capital because I don't where I work for myself. So that's the difference between Warren Buffett and a bank. Well, they say, well, why is Warren Buffett so successful? Warren Buffett runs Berkshire Hathaway. He had he has the B shares, but he has not changed the price of the A shares. They're worth like three hundred thousand dollars per share, and he says that because he says I want guys that are in here that are to be serious. I don't want speculators. I don't want people that are looking to make a quick buck. So, as a personal investor, you're not forced to follow the herd. 
You're not forced to do what the banks do. The institutions are technically forced to, just like they own Tesla, just like they own Amazon, just like they own historically every hot stock. They own all the mortgage-backed securities in 2006 and 2007 is because their job is to put returns on paper. Your job is to grow your money and, and, and protect your capital. With that being said, when it comes to technology and the things in the future, we have to think about what's possible and what's probable. So when people make projections, I can say, hey, in 10, by next year, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? Is it possible? Absolutely. Is it probable that I reach that goal in a year? Probably not. So when you have this new disruptive technology that comes into the marketplace, you kind of look at the risk reward and say, is it possible that Bitcoin reaches this crazy price projection of a million dollars? Is it possible? Yes. Anything is possible, right? Especially in the world of investing, anything is possible. You didn't look at it and say, what's probable. The probability in my opinion is that in the future, Bitcoin and crypto technology is intertwined in our society. It will be a big part of our society. To me, that's very probable. Is it possible that that asset keeps running up based on supply and demand and price? Absolutely not. Just based on history, based on the change in humans, human emotions, and based on what always happens in the market when things get too out of control. It drives people to it, and eventually there's some kind of rectification. And the hardest part is you don't know when that rectification is going to be. It's hard to sit on the sidelines, I'm telling you, for three years, and you keep seeing the price go up, and you're like, damn, I could have bought it at 50000 and now it's 100000 That's a hard pill to swallow. That's why most people fail is because they do everything everybody else does. Mm. And to succeed in this game, you have to be where nobody else is. If it's hot and it's popular, I'm not saying by default it's bad. But what I'm saying is when it comes to fundamentals, we say in a stock, we say that what you're buying is a current cash flow versus a future cash flow. What does that mean? If Apple's current cash flow, for example, is $50 billion per year, if I make this investment in their future cash flow is $100 billion minus capital expenditures, what they're spending on new technology and different costs, I expect my investment to be worth X amount of dollars, right? Yeah. Bitcoin and crypto have no future cash flow. They don't have a cash flow. It's purely based on supply and demand by what the next person is willing to pay for it. In the markets, we call this a castle in the air theory. We say, hey, it doesn't matter what I buy it at, as long as somebody's dumb enough to buy it at a higher price. It's called a castle in the air. But my question to new investors and why I say one to 5% is, do you want to base your entire portfolio or the majority of your portfolio on a castle in the air theory? That's a personal decision. Yeah. If you want to have at it, I hope that it works for somebody. You know, I don't want anybody to lose money, but your main objective is to say, okay, what am I buying? What's the price that I'm buying at? And what is the worst case scenario? What's and people don't think about the worst case scenario because we can't think of it. We don't like to face our realities of a world where something just goes completely wrong. Well, at some point in your life, it probably is going to go completely wrong. 
you accept that as a reality of life. Like yeah. at some point in my investing career, I'm probably going to wake up one morning and the market is going to be down 50%. If that were to happen, will I be completely wiped out? And can I stomach that reality? And can I still believe in what I'm even doing? Some of my investments, I, just a quick example, I invested at Bob uh, around $230. It's now, as of today, I think it was like 160 right? Like it's dropped significantly. I can stand in there because I understand the business. I understand where I think it's going and I'm willing to stomach the pain. I base my predictions off of these numbers, not news because news changes. When it comes to Bitcoin, I ask what numbers and projections are we even basing it off of? We're all basing it off of feelings, thoughts, and what we think governments and people are going to do, but unfortunately humans are irrational. Yeah. Okay. I feel, I feel you cuz although I will say plan B popular Twitter handle, he created a stock to flow model for Bitcoin. It's been pretty accurate <laughs> so far. That's all I'm saying, man. I'm just, I'm just saying this stock to flow model has been accurate since 2017 though. So in which case, but I do believe, I do believe to a certain extent Cause I do tell people this, some of these numbers are wild and I, and I just can't see some of this shit happening. But my, my, my thought process, my thought process has been since I've looked further into it that I'm a believer in the technology. Again, I don't know whether or not Bitcoin will ever hit a million dollars, but I'm saying is, is that the, the, from, from, from my research or looking into it, the, the blockchain technology supposedly is going to be the future. And in which case, every every single company now, if you hop on Indeed, they all have digital assets analysts and people they're hiring now to look into it. So it's just, I will say that it is hard not to look into it or, or gravitate to it when you're seeing so much development behind it. And even so far as Walmart and Amazon hiring digital asset analysts in order to find ways, in order to put it into their company. And to create and even create their own digital currency. And again, that goes back to what I said about I can love something and not love it, the investment. Yeah. So all those facts that you're all those points that you're making, making are very true. But that's still separated from the price you pay and are you getting a deal or not, if that uh, makes sense. Okay. So 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 for example, when it comes to a lot of the Tesla investors. Do I believe electronic cars are the future? Absolutely. Do I believe that Tesla is the leader in that category? Absolutely. Do I believe Tesla's product is a great product and it's a cool car? Absolutely. I personally want a Tesla. I think it's an amazing car. Way better than anything that's on the market. When I look at it as an investment, I say for the price I have to pay today, for what it's selling at, at last time I checked, 600 times earnings, what is the probability that in 10 years it's worth currently still worth 600 times its earnings potential, right? That's where we have to separate it. So when it, I, I was talking to my brother about this the other day, I said, at the, and, I, and I did the numbers at the current market capitalization. Now what that means for everybody out there is that for the amount in circulation, whether it's a share or a Bitcoin multiplied by its current selling price gives it its total worth. Right. That's what we're paying for anytime we buy one piece of that Bitcoin. If it were to reach a million, Bitcoin's total entire worth would be worth more than the entire United States GDP. 
the total production force of the of the largest economy in the world. Now, can that happen? Absolutely, it can happen because anything can happen. But if I need to make a bet right now, based on stats, probabilities, would I bet that my current projection that Bitcoin will be larger and worth more than the United States economy? That's a personal decision that somebody has to make, but it's a bet that I'm not personally willing to make. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got you. Yeah. Because in order for it to reach a million dollars, it would have to hit a 20 trillion uh, market cap. That that so it would have to be worth within more ten years than what we currently produce. Think about every single iPhone that's sold, every single Xbox that's sold. Every time you go to McDonald's and yeah. buy a large fry, that's the total GDP of the economy. So that means an investment in ten years or whenever the price prediction is has to be worth than the total economic output. I just don't see that happening. But you see, know, it's just very hard for me to believe. But if we, but if we are to believe that Bitcoin takes the trajectory of becoming a global reserve currency, then the market cap seems the market cap still seems unrealistic. If it's the global reserve currency of the world, no, it, it doesn't. But again, possible versus probable. Probable. Okay, I got you. And it's all verse. It's all based on personal preference. If gotcha. you think that it's a very probable situation that this happens. And you're willing to bet a 50%. There's a lot of investments that I think are very probable, such as Alibaba, that Alibaba is only like 8% of my portfolio. Yeah. Right. That goes to Risk Award. Do I think it's going to work out? Yes. But if it doesn't work out, I'm only out of 8% of my, portfolio, of my total portfolio. Makes I'm sense. not going to be wiped out. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. I got you. All right. So, could I say 5% on crypto? Uh, again, I guess you I guess there's no such thing as too much diversification. You know what I'm saying? Running back through these notes here. Not you know, it's yeah, personal it, decisions. It's a it's a personal preference. Stick stick to your guns. Okay. All right. And lastly, um, don't lose twenty four thousand dollars in a day on trading. That part. <laughs> make, <laughs> make, make make sure and you don't do that. It's a long ride. <laughs> so, I would say that. And if you're lucky enough to win six thousand in Vegas, don't blow it on a strip club. Yeah, don't blow it on a strip club. Don't do that. Uh, but cuz got six thousand dollars to blow, you know what I'm saying? So apparently, cuz I lose six thousand dollars, uh, y'all niggas gonna have to find me a place to stay. That whole part, sis. Can I come stay at your crib for a little bit? I <laughs> yeah. got you, bro. I got you. Trish ain't having none of that. Okay, shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually very cheap, believe it or not. <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm pretty cheap. You, 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 you know, uh, again, because once you like get into investing, like put your money some, and you know, you see it growing. You see the potential of it. You see, you really start to think about how you spend your own money and whether or not you know where you allocate it or spend it. Whether or not it's really worth it. Because I was going crazy for a while. You know, like every day I was showing y'all a new picture. Of these motherfuckers. But uh, yeah, I had to slow down because Trish was about to kick me about the house. <laughs> So in which case, because it's been real, man, this has been very informative. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You're one of the people you're like, really like the only person I know that's highly educated on this. We appreciate you for coming on, spitting the game, letting people know, letting everyone know, Hey, look, inflation is robbing you of your money. Make sure you're hedging against it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Hopefully everything works out. Thanks for having me. And I'll say for anybody that's starting their path, realize everybody has been at the point that you've been at. I started out with a stash account, $200 in my stash account in my hotel while I was at training for my job. The main thing is 
what rich people and successful people understand is you cannot fear loss. You have to get rid of scarcity. You can't fear a loss and you can't be overly optimistic. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. One last point I will make is I'll be the first to admit a lot of my market success is just due to timing. I entered the market. We've been on a historical bull run ever since 2008, the longest bull run in U.S. history. For those of you that don't know what a bull run is, basically in simple terms, the market keeps going up. Yep. I understand that I got a market. Now, if I would have gotten the market, let's say in the depths of a recession, maybe my viewpoint of the market and investing would be different because I would have been losing money for the past six years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, a lot of it's all about timing. But when you get in, realize that there's going to be some good days. There's going to be a lot of bad days. But over time, you can be successful and you can win at the game. Okay. That's, nice. that's, that's a bar, though. Yep. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never, never as, as bad, bad as, as you think, think it is. is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's always somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. All right, cuz. Well, it's been real. Uh, appreciate I you do, coming. I do, I do. I do. God damn it. I know you're about to say something. I know you're about to say some dumb like, shit. One more question. Man, come on, damn. man. One more question. Come on. Just one more question for my brother. I say um, some dumb shit. So one of my uh, so one of my favorite movies is uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. God damn it. So my question for you is. So my question Everyone's to you favorite. is so my question to you is is um what is the likelihood of me being able to live a life like that trading penny stocks where I can fuck hookers, <laughs> snort blow, have a mansion and have a wife that I cheat on with big titties. She didn't have big titties. And be successful at that. She didn't have she didn't have titties. Trading, she didn't have, trading, she didn't have pen, trading penny she didn't stocks. Have she had no successful. Either. Okay, what is the likelihood of Bar- Remember you talking to your brother. <laughs> Remember you talking to your brother. Illegal activity. <laughs> the likelihood, not very likely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The likelihood. <laughs> Here you go, cuz. That risk to reward we're go- type. We're, go- we're going back to probable versus possible. Oh, <laughs> shit. Possible, oh, sure. Oh, that's my tears to my eyes. He's that likely. Probable. <laughs> cuz didn't even get him down on him hard. He was like, yo, let me be professional here. Let me just let him down professionally. <laughs> For the viewers out there, I would say this. Trading and investing is nothing like the movies, right? Like, uh-huh. most of my days... Are pretty fucking boring. It is boring. Yeah, they don't make it look process. like the boiler room, Wolf on Wall Street. They, they, they. In those I movies, wish, they make it seem like I it's so exciting. And if I could fuck cookers and snort cocaine and still make millions of dollars, I don't think I would have many complaints about what I do. <laughs> it's a lot more boring than that. Because, like, hold so on, then, that's till I get in there. So, so can you get rich off of trading penny stocks? God damn it, bro! Why are you? <laughs> can you get rich? Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go! Trade yeah. forex. Go you trade can forex. get rich doing virtually anything in the market. Mm. You can get. I, I could literally wake up tomorrow, put my entire life savings on a call option, and quote unquote become rich because it works out. It's just how difficult is it to keep up? Can I tell one more story? It's a true story. Okay. All right. Here we go. One more story. Right. All right. So I had a guy I was working with. He got into the markets. He wanted to get in trading. I'm like, hey, man, this is pretty hard business. You need to take certain steps. You need to use small size. 
he took all his money out of his bank account. He joined one of these crazy chats and he started trading these penny stocks <laughs> and he saw success with it. And he made a hundred thousand dollars in profit within like two months of trading Ooh, using damn. a crazy amount of leverage. Damn. And another girl that I was working with was doing the same thing. And I get a phone call one day and she says, Hey, you know, Santi, I'm up $126,000 on this investment. What should I do? And I'm like, count your blessings and get the hell out. Sell that shit. Hell yeah. There's only one or two things that can happen. It can either go up or it can go down. <laughs> yeah. The hard part is keeping the money and having a process to what you're doing. Because long story short, he made that $100,000. He lost that $100,000. Last time I texted him, I asked, hey, are you still participating in the market? His phone went green. So I don't know what happened. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> he said his phone went green. My boy, my boy, I went back to Andrew. <laughs> The boy can't even afford internet. No, he can't even afford an iPhone no more. <laughs> Damn, my man can't get an iPhone SE. <laughs> Damn. That boy texted from a flip phone. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he had lost his money before I had left. I texted him a few months later just say, hey man, how you doing in the markets? How the market's shooting you? Phone went green. I've never. Never heard from the guy ever. Damn. Damn. I think I hung himself. Bro, man. you lose a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, bro. I don't know how you, I don't know how even the, you got a million dollars, you probably can recover. But if you ain't got nothing but like three thousand dollars in the bank, I don't know how I would. Whoo. I, I don't, man. The crazy part about the market that makes it more dangerous than gambling is that when you gamble, the games have a beginning and ending, right? Like if I put a hundred thousand on blackjack and I lose, the game has an ending and yeah. I have the opportunity to walk away. The hardest part about the market, which is why it's even more difficult than being a gambler is because there is no end to it. The end is when you have to push the sell button and that's a conscious decision that you have to make. And there's always that possibility of coming back. So when I'm down, if you're down a hundred thousand, there's always a possibility that it can come back. Is it likely to come back? Absolutely not. But you forcibly have to put that pain on yourself and humans naturally have a deference to pain. That's how we're made genetically. We want to avoid pain. So we sit there and watch the screen and hope and pray that it works. So Think twice before you do that. Uh, it's a lot of psychological factors that have to be handled to be successful at trading. Whew, man, cause cause had to end with that one because uh, boy, one hundred twenty six thousand. Yes, yeah, sell now. What sell? Get your ass sell. out. Get the fuck out. What are you doing? <laughs> like absolutely. Okay, all right, but yeah. So same same thing. Uh, but we 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 appreciate it because I can't tell you how informative this has been. Hopefully, I've, our, our listeners have learned something. Um, uh, but they can find you again at Instagram at in the money with the one in the money. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you yep. check out this content. In the money is dope. Come out, check them out. All right, cuz we can go and let you get up out of here. We about to appreciate you. Get through with the rest of our show. Oh, bro, next time, next time, you know, so we probably got to do a part 2 on this cuz I want to know more about the beef cuz he got beef with an Instagram celebrity in the uh, in, in, in the uh, markets. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah his name is uh his name is a uh, Wall Street Trapper. Wall Street Trapper? And, uh, Wall Street Trapper and something. <laughs> 
Santi got beef. Santi got beef with him. So oh, shit. Like Santi want all the smoke. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, man. Them niggas real killers. I need to come on the show to get, to get a social media beef. For you know like, what I'm saying? Like, a bunch of people writing me like, hey, man. man I'm like Charlemagne. Man, I'm like Charlemagne the guy, baby. I got to start beef song here. We starting wars, baby. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Cuz tripping. All right, cuz. We're going to let you get up out of here, though, man. It's been real. Thank you for having me. And uh, good luck yeah. in the markets. All right. Bye, Deuce. And we are back, y'all. All right. So hopefully y'all learned some. An interview. Hopefully you got some gems. Hopefully you got some game dropped on you. You know what I'm saying? Understand that like my entire world has been flipped upside down since I've understood that saving money doesn't really do anything for you. Mm-hmm. But if you still want these people who don't feel like investing is what you need to do, then in which case, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know. Deal with the consequences. You're gonna be shit. broke. It's all good. <laughs> Straight up. All right, let's go ahead and get into the most foolish story of the day. And I actually got this today. Um, I so, saw this shit today too. I was like, yeah, I actually bro, was gonna send it to y'all niggas, bro. <laughs> I was, like, I was what like, what the this? hell, man? So this is by way of NBC News. <laughs> Eighteen former NBA players arrested by federal authorities in alleged health care scam. Um. Uh, 18 former NBA players were charged with attempting to defraud the NBA's health and welfare benefit plan out of nearly $4 million. Officials said Thursday, the defendants include Terrence Williams, Allen Anderson, Anthony Allen, Shannon Brown, William Bynum, Ronald Glenn, Big Baby Davis, Christopher Douglas Roberts, Melvin Eli, Jamario Moon, Darius Miles, Milton Palacio, Ruben Patterson, Eddie Robertson, Gregory Smith, Sebastian Telfer, Charles Watson Jr., Antoine Wright, and Anthony Roden. Allen's wife, Desiree Allen, was also named as a defendant. They each faced counts of conspiracy to commit health care and wire fraud. By midday Thursday, 16 of the 18 former players had been taken into custody, officials said. The defendant's playbook involved fraud and deception. Audrey Strauss, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, told reporters they will have to answer for the flagrant violations of law. Straw said Williams, 34, a Seattle native who spent four seasons in the NBA, was the scheme's linchpin submitting false claims to the league's health care plan. He was accused of supplying false invoices to support the fraudulent claims in exchange for kickback payments that totaled at least 230000 authorities said. Prosecutors allege that when one player didn't pay Williams, he called the co-defendant pretending to be a plan administrator and said there was a problem, a problem with the claim. Straw said the hope was to frighten the player into re-engaging with Williams, who was also hit with an aggravated identity theft charge in connection with the call. In total, the defendants submitted $3.9 million in fake claims and $2.5 million was paid out, uh, officials allege. The scheme was uncovered in part because of the sloppy work of the defendants, authorities said. For example, Smith, who played for the Houston Rockets, submitted claims for IV sedation, a root canal and crowns that he is alleged to have received during December 20th, 2018, Dental procedure in Beverly Hills, California, prosecutor said travel records, email and publicly available box scores show that he was playing professional basketball in Taiwan that week and did not receive root canals in Beverly Hills as represented in the claim form. He submitted Strauss said at the same time, Smith was in Taiwan's Super Basketball League and he scored 11 points for Bank of Taiwan the next day in an 84-76 loss to Kawasion. Gia Technologies. I can't say that shit. Okay. <laughs> Now, I feel you pain, let me read the rest of this shit so y'all could truly understand how ridiculous this shit was. And several players didn't bother comparing notes to see whether they were raising red flags by putting in for the exact same dental procedures mm. on the same day, Straw said. Mm. 
For example, Davis, Allen, and Roden filed for root canals, all supposedly performed on the same 16th on April 30th, 2016, Straw said. The trio also put in for payments for crowns done on the same 16th on May 11th, 2016, she said. Roden and Allen filed for root canals done on the same 13th on September 6, 2018, Straw said. Several of the fake invoices and medical necessity forms stood out because they are not on letterhead. They contain unusual formatting. They have grammatical errors, according to the incident. <laughs> this just says, Michael Driscoll, Driscoll, assistant director in charge of the FBI New York Fed office, says such cases have damaging trickle-down impacts on consumers. Now, this is where I find this shit ridiculous. This healthcare industry loses tens of millions of dollars to fraud every year, and that those costs are passed down to businesses and customers. That's a fraud we take very seriously. Motherfucker, healthcare is already too fucking high. All right. Yeah. So let me just point this out before Maybe we get y'all to wouldn't the have foolishness. so much fraud- fraudulent cases if y'all would, you if know. If you want to charge your niggas a fucking ass. That part. <laughs> fucking getting your teeth <laughs> done and shit. All right. Anyway, so, and why y'all niggas getting y'all teeth done in Beverly Hills, nigga? Y'all, try, y'all can't go to a regular fucking dentist? Apparently not, because, you know, when you're in that, that stature, you know, you feel like you got to go to, I mean. I feel like Tony Allen can walk into a regular dentist and nobody would know who he is. Yeah, like I, <laughs> like I know for a fact, Sebastian Telford could walk into like a regular oh, yeah. and nobody would yeah, know for right sure. List. Maybe for sure. of of this list, maybe uh, Glenn, uh, maybe, Davis, Glenn Davis. maybe maybe Shannon Brown because he played for the Lakers. Um, yeah, but that's really it. Uh, maybe Darius Miles because you know Darius Miles was like he was like a super recruit. Yeah, I was about to say Darius Miles. <laughs> maybe maybe Darius Miles, but let, everybody else on this list could absolutely walk into let, the fucking. Let me just make a quick note here. Um, I don't know who any of these niggas are. So clearly, <laughs> they oh, can yeah. walk into this house right now. I'm gonna be like, bro, who are these motherfuckers? Because uh, they, motherfuckers. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> in, in which case, uh, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, did I say Tony Allen? It wasn't Tony. I was Anthony Allen. Oh yeah, well Tony Allen. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I. <sighs> I'm, I'm assuming these niggas have like wasted all of their money and no longer have uh, cash. Shit, which, crazy. Which that sucks. Um, but you niggas made millions of dollars, millions. Um, the fact and that I you, would say, I mean, I could, I could see maybe some of them because it's just like, okay, you know, some of these names. I'm yeah, like, Mil, okay, maybe Mil Palacio, he probably didn't make a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you know, some of these. But like Big Baby Davis, nigga, you was on the NBA Finals Championship team. And yeah, I think he was a starter too. Bro, he I played mean. for like nine or ten years. So I mean, at least uh, uh, at least yeah, seven or eight nigga for sure. For the Celtics, and he was on the NBA Championship team. Yeah, with Kevin Garnett and him. Yeah. Like, so and then and then didn't he go to Orlando and play with a. Uh, did he play with um Dwayne for a while? I don't remember, but I can swear he went to Orlando too. The whole point is, is this motherfucker definitely made some money in his career. Um, along yeah. with a lot of these guys, man. So in which case, and when Shannon Brown left the Sun left the Lakers, right, didn't he get like a, a decent contract from the Suns or some I shit think like that? So, yeah. yeah, right. So some of these niggas got broke off at times. I don't I don't understand, but I guess if you Sebastian don't got, was a first round draft pick out of high school. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, Sebastian Jeffers Sebastian definitely Jeffers. got definitely got paid. Um, don't know about after that first contract, but he got paid the first yeah, one for after sure. The, first contract, no. <laughs> uh, the thing is, man, is uh, here's the thing about fraud. First off, I'm not against niggas creating fraud. I'm just against niggas being stupid and creating fraud. Like if you're gonna do this shit, 
obviously you got to check all the boxes, right? You got to cross your T's and dot all your I's. Mm-hmm. You niggas was submitting the exact same claim <laughs> for the exact same day for the exact same six fucking teeth. <laughs> Nigga, that is beyond an oversight. That is the fuck up of epic it's proportions. And that's the reason why you niggas about to go to jail. Because see, y'all niggas black. And y'all ain't got no more money, apparently. So <laughs> you can't hire the best legal defense team. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because again, people always think about the now. They don't think about the later. later. And so... Yep. Here we are. Um, I forgot that, like, the NFL and, like, the NBA has, like, you know, they take care of, like, you know, athletes. I, I guess it depends on how long you play, but I forget they take care of you, like, years after for all medical expenses and shit like that. I yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, I, I'll be forgetting about that shit. Um, so, shout out to the NBA, man. Round of applause to the NBA, man, for doing it. Um, but again, this is why it sucks because here you got somebody taking care of you and y'all trying to rob the system. Okay, bro. Listen, it didn't work out. You sucked. Go. You. 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 To a certain extent, your household name. You can at least be using that shit for some type of clout. Like, find your way into doing some shit. Uh, but this right here, this Davis was on like um uh, Fox Sports as like a little NBA analyst because he would be on there sometimes. Uh, So that's why I was very surprised to see his fucking name on there. He's getting fired. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a wrap. He go ahead and kiss that analyst. I mean, I've been out of here. So he might have already been fired. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true, right? Because you know everybody want to be an analyst when they retire and shit. Um, yeah, some yeah. just ain't good. <laughs> Oh, wait, here go right here. The benefit plans provided by the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association top players are critically important to support their health and well-being throughout their playing careers and over the course of their lives, which makes these allegations particularly disheartening, the league said in a statement. Nigga, they cover you the rest of your life. What if this force fits your medical coverage because you tried Damn, to fraud, bro. bro? That shit would That's suck. It. It should, and, and honestly, it should. It should. It you should. deserve that shit, yeah. man. Because here go a motherfucker trying to take care of you and shit and then, you know, Oh shit, last month former NFL players Clint Portis, Taryn McVanover, and Robert McCune played guilty for their roles in a nationwide healthcare fraud scheme and could face years in prison. Damn, Clint Portis? Nigga. <laughs> niggas, bro. Bro, they they bro. All right. Okay, that's it, y'all. That's our most full wow. story of the week. We gonna go ahead and let y'all go because we've catch y'all long enough. But understand, man, that yo, this whole um, you know, defrauding, uh, just put your money in the market. Try to let it grow. You know what I'm saying? Do it <laughs> yeah. the old fashioned way. You know, invest that shit. That's what we've learned Do today. It the white people way. Because uh we had a, a nigga try to rob a bank. Uh he was successful, <laughs> but he tried to do it again. And see, that's just like these niggas. They probably would have got away with it had they not kept trying to add fucking claims, yeah, right? Exactly. And that's greedy, and that's man, the, 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 I, you beat me too. I said being greedy. Nigga, first off, and then again, right? Just hear me out for a second. Where in the fuck did y'all hear? Three point nine million dollars worth of shit done. I they yeah. said they got some fucking crowns, crowns, root canals. <laughs> I'm look that seed. No, that's what happens when you go to these Beverly Hills looking ass doctors. I guess they got fucking crown and dental work, nigga. Y'all y'all got a million Three dollar point- tea, million dollar crown in your shit. Apparently so, <laughs> nigga. What the fuck? Hundred thousand dollar crowns, nigga. I don't, bro, nigga. Whoever yeah. y'all dentist is. Y'all got it. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Let me go back down this street. <laughs> I, need to, I need to go. I need to see the kind of work that these niggas in Beverly okay. Hills are doing because for for three point nine million dollars worth of, of work um, is dental work. I need to have veneers that look so fucking realistic that like it's ridiculous. Okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, here we go, y'all. 
that's all we have uh if you made it this far we appreciate you for kicking it with us this week make sure you click that follow button and rate us on apple Podcasts. you can also find us at www.stopthefoolishnesspodcast.com to submit all those double listening letters with that being said we're gonna go ahead and sign off it's your boy imperator rose and it's your girl ash and it's that dude called theory we out 